Recorded live. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. Get how long that intro is. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Hi everyone, this is uh, Dave AC, uh, co-host of the Colton Collective. Ian again is on sabbatical leave, so uh, you've got me to deal with and my deliberate mistakes. Well, we've got episode 74 shortly, and that is when dinosaurs rule the box office. But before that, let's just see who's in our little collective today and on microphone. And as I see them on my list, I see Charlie P79. Hi, Charlie. Hello. Good to have you here, as always. Uh, Also on mic is Mr. Darth Skeptical. Hello, good sir. Cheers. We've not heard the drums lately, but I hope they're not in storage. Uh, and we've got our good friend, uh, Andy Tiggs, Tiggs Panthers was, uh, back in the room again. We're being blessed with your visits. Nice to see <laughs> you again. Hi, Dave. <laughs> and also on uh, Mike, we've got Mr. T. Jury. Hi, Tim. And he's he's self muted, so it's probably taking him oh, time no, to do that. If you yeah, for as okay. long as I can be. Yeah, no, it's okay. Well, let's find out uh, who's under the cone of silence. Control, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? Hi, and we've got under the cone of silence uh, one of the stars of TalkShoe, uh, Mr. Randolo himself, who has the VoIP Users Conference on uh, TalkShoe. And uh, if I was very quick, I could find the actual uh, um, number of that show. Uh, but he also has what used to be the new wine consumer wine brands, and I do know the TalkShoe ID for that. That's double one eight 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 because I used to be his co-host on it, and that is taking a, a short, well-earned rest, but is unbelievably getting many, many downloads. So those are the two shows, and there's also an item that we will mention that uh, Randallow has brought to uh, Dr. Robert White and my attention uh, for people connecting into TalkShoe. But for that, let's go finish off the room. We've also got uh, Mike Randall Thor, uh, the third member of our um, uh, special shows that uh, Ian and myself do, the commentaries. Uh, he's not on mic at the moment but with us. We've got my evil twin, Dave AC. We've got I Walk in Eternity and Cybob. So welcome all those people to uh, the episode. And uh, let's for once remember that other little friend of ours. Lord Tappy Monkey, go. 
thank you very much for that. I've been very remiss with him. We we usually get halfway through the news before I realise uh, to do it. Uh, we've only got uh, a few little pieces of news today, but I'm going to start off with something that was in my local paper. So if you hear any rattling in the background, it is indeed me uh, referring to my uh, issue of the Sunday Times. And it's um, two items in actual fact that's to do with uh, British uh, involvement in Hollywood. Uh, one of them relates, although, to um, BBC America. And I'm going to read this, not the whole thing, but um, the main gist of it. Um, Herb Scalinell, the new president of BBC America, is an Irish Puerto Rican New Yorker who, during the 1990s, built Nickelodeon into the number one cable TV business. So why did he join America's 71st largest cable channel? Um, I like the variety of its revenue streams and brands, the cable TV business, the DVD sales and online presence. BBC America is already punching above its weight, generating, generating annual revenues of $500 million. That's £320 million, a third of the total for BBC Worldwide. It is still only seen in 67 America, million American homes. Now, we've talked about this before we started the recording. That might mean it's actually available, not necessarily viewed in 67 million homes, uh, below what is called the critical 80 million threshold, where advertised pay top dollar. Um, it says, uh, it yet says Nielsen, its biggest new hit, Doctor Who, Torchwood, combined with Top Gear, has nearly doubled the prime time audience among the 20-somethings. So uh, that is good. And one more thing. We plan to show the Christmas Doctor Who special here at the same time as the British broadcast, which will be a first. We know what our viewers want. It doesn't go on to add that uh, the viewers don't want the, those episodes to be uh, chopped and uh, cut to pieces. And one other little piece of information is um, they've got a top list, a top ten list. And you know how on the Cultural Collective we love our list. And this is uh, this year's top ten of most influential Britons in Hollywood. And uh, dare I say it, I didn't make the list again this year. But never mind. Uh, we've got Christopher Nolan, the director of Batman and Inception. Howard Stringer, the chief executive of Sony America. Donna Langley co-chairman of Universal Pictures, Ridley and Tony Scott, Scott Free Productions, Graham King, the producer of The Town and The Tourist. I don't know whether those are stage productions or not. Uh, Lionel Wigram, producer of the Harry Potter and Sherlock Holmes. Sam Mendes, director of Revolutionary Road and On Chesil Beach. Uh, Guy Hendricks Dias, I think that is, set designer for Superman Returns and Inception, David Slade, director of Twilight Eclipse, and Nigel Lithgow, producer of So You Think You Can Dance. So I'm sure quite a lot of people that, that follow that sort of thing will find some of that information is uh, quite interesting. Well, that's all the news I've got, so I'm just going to hand over to Mr. Darth Skeptical. Oh, um, well, there's a little bit of uh, news, I suppose, although we've kind of been neglecting it for a while, since 2009, when it was first announced that somebody was thinking about bringing back Buffy the Vampire Slayer without involving Joss Whedon, which is uh, legally possible, because he doesn't own 
the entire rights to the. He doesn't actually own. I don't think any rights to the movie, um, although he does own rights to the television show, something like that. Anyway, um, it was announced a couple of days ago that, in fact, that is now greenlit. That's going ahead, um, and so it's no longer just theoretical. So. Joss Whedon had to uh, issue a sort of statement about it because uh, he clearly didn't really want this to go forward. Um, And he's um, saying sort of things that you would expect to say, but perhaps more humorously than you might imagine, Um, saying that he's got mixed emotions about the entire deal. Basically saying, actually this is a quote, I always hoped that Buffy would live on after my death, but you know, after. I don't (laughs) love the idea of my creation in other hands, but I'm also well aware that many more hands than mine went into making the show what it was. And there is no legal ground for doing anything other than sighing audibly. I can't wish people who are passionate about my little myth ill. I can, however, take this time to announce that I'm making a Batman movie because there's a franchise that truly needs updating. So look for The Dark Knight Rises way earlier than that other one, and also more cheaply and in Toronto, rebooting in a theater near you. Um, so there you wow. go. It is going that, forward without Joss Whedon. But I don't know anything about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so it doesn't matter to me. Go ahead, well, Nick. Well, uh, I do know that uh, Eliza Dushku is it has also sort of weighed in a little bit, and she doesn't seem to be that particularly happy. Although I suppose the actual character of Faith uh, doesn't actually come into this at all. That must presumably be his, um, um, you know, uh, his copyright because um, it was a character that he invented in, uh, during the process of uh, Buffy. Um, I mean, there was at one time going to be a spin-off, wasn't there, of, uh, of Faith the Vampire Slayer or something? If you say so. I don't really know. Um, all I know is that there is talk, apparently, I don't know, there's a line coming from the new producers of the thing saying that don't ex- that it might not happen in high school. So it may right. not be anything really related to it at all. Who knows? I also read at the same time that um, he, he was also saying one of the reasons why he feels as though Dollhouse wasn't that successful, and of course Eliza Dushku was his main star in leading that, was the fact that um, basically um, uh, sex was the driving force behind the whole idea of Dollhouse. I mean, these were basically escorts in in many of the episodes, but they just couldn't really touch on that uh, for the way that uh, mainstream American TV, I'm sure Home Box Office and all these others can show quite explicit material, but Basically, um, what he was saying seemed to me to be saying that the the series was neutered, in effect, which took a lot of the dynamics away from what was really going on at the dollhouse uh, and therefore led to it being a little bit more, not one-dimensional, but certainly only two-dimensional rather than three. And um, he feels as though if it had been allowed to explore or at least imply those adult themes a little bit more, uh, the whole series might have made more sense. Um, whether that's a valid point, I don't know. Okay, we've just got one other... Go on. Oh, I, I have one other little point. And that is, uh, this is on the uh, Disney front, uh, because some people do consider Disney films cult films, I guess. Uh, all those of you who thought that The Tangled would be terrible because it was a 
total reinvention of the um, Rapunzel myth. Apparently, you can suck it because it's getting 87% reviews on uh, RottenTomatoes.com and it had a good opening weekend. So, for the 50th uh, animated Walt Disney picture, it's doing pretty well. Okay. And uh, what's that, Randlow? Uh, women hate dollhouse, and you can't have a successful TV series without being able to watch it with your lady. Well, I suppose that's true. Uh, I suppose the argument is that um, the whole material of the show prohibited them actually being mainstream, I suppose. So it's either going to be um, um, a small fry cult show where they gave them what they wanted, or it, it was failing on the other things. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I, mean, I like the actress, Eliza Dushkis, anyway. I liked her in True Calling, which was a series that uh, got canned. And by the way, I'm, I'm thinking of adding a, a topic in the new year for one of our cultdom as um, series, that, uh, series that only went, sorry, TV shows that only went one series. Because I think that might make quite a good um, uh, cultdom show for us. Because um, Except it was two. Yeah, but uh, well, it, they only did six episodes of the series two, as far as I remember, and they didn't. Ah, uh, uh, six of the episodes didn't air. It was cancelled in the second run. Perhaps, I, perhaps, perhaps I should think of a, a, it then as um, series that got cancelled before they bloomed, something along those lines, anyway. But that's for next year. We've still got plenty of enjoyment for you this year but we've also got uh, Mr. T. Jory with the final bit of news and uh, then a little bit of feedback to follow I believe. So Tim if you're unmuted Tim, you said you'd unmute yourself. Uh, well Darth managed to borrow my news so I've been looking around for more and uh, they're both um, I have unmuted myself uh, yeah, both events-related, Dave. Um, I'm sure you'll be pleased to hear that uh, Keeley Hawes will be at SFX's Weekender 2 early next year. She's travelled back in time from the 80s, saved the UK from tourists as a member of MI5, and been an obtainer of rare antiquities so successful that even Indiana Jones would stand up and take notice. And she'll be appearing at SFX events at Camber Sands in uh, February next year. Right, and she was also playing a standard detective in that other and I'll series called... chat for that. Yeah, she played a standard detective in a series called Identity as well, didn't she, which is obviously not sci-fi, but um, she's quite good in that as well. Okay, but you have a little bit of a report, do you? Yeah, I've not seen that, Dave. Yeah, uh, well, yesterday uh, in, I braved the, the freezing cold that we're suffering in the UK at the moment to attend the, the Flashing Blade winter warmer pub gathering for Doctor Who fans. Uh, in the end, there was over 30 of us. I think it was about 31 in the end. A good third of us were podcasters, and two of us were recording... Um, shows about the event. I was putting together Tim's take on episode 46, uh, which you'll soon be able to find, hopefully, on timstakeon.co.uk. And uh, Paul and Chris from the Pharos Project were also there recording stuff for their show. And um, 
it was a very good turnout and um well don't know if you've got any questions about it dave uh not really i, I mean i assume that it was a just a good set i mean is it a, was it a one-off event or what Well, it seems to be having a delay with your audio. Oh, no, it's the second in a series of events that Tony's been organising, Tony from the Flashing Blade. Uh, he had the... He had the... Oh, yes, well, there's definitely a delay. Uh, he had um, the park gathering in Hyde Park back in the summer. Ah. Uh, uh, this Flashing Blade winter warmer, and then next summer, we're going to be gathering uh, in Greenwich Park... And he's hoping to organise a convention uh, for fans alone, a fan-only convention. All right. Oh, excellent. Uh, does that conclude your bit? Well, I, t I took plenty of photographs yesterday, Dave, and those are up online. Right. Uh, yes, it does, Dave. And I'll, I'll get a link to the photos in chat. And... Then I'll have to go because uh, this delay is driving me as nuts as it's driving you nuts. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Well, thank you for that, Tim. And let me just say for people who are not with us live but listening to the recording later, uh, we are doing this on the Torture well, Planet. I'm it... trying to get my podcast up online. Ah, that, that's you see, that's it. He's doing things. He's he's uploading data at the same time. Well, thanks for that, Tim. And. Um, let me uh, just, before we go on to our main topic, just one or two other things to mention. And uh, let's hear from Andy, but not live. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. And uh, let me just mention uh, something that uh, I haven't been able to follow up completely, but we, we do have, not on mic, but in the room with us, uh, uh, Randalo, um, just to let people know that um, one of the things that people can do when they're joining us live is use some sort of SIP client voice over internet protocol. And uh, we have had a number of members of our show that still find that they have to struggle and fight to get on. And uh, one of the new pieces of software that, well, it's not new, but it's new to the uh, Windows world, as it were, is a uh, voice over internet client called Blink. And I'll let, uh, we've already had it once in the uh, chat room, but I'll let my alter ego, Dave AC2, put that link in if he clicks the right place. And um, this is something that uh, uh, Randallow uh, brought to the attention of uh, Dr. Robert White, lately of TorchU. I don't think you've heard the uh, big news, but um, Mr. Rob White no longer works for TorchU now after a professional difference of opinion. Uh, neither does Josh Budd. Um, and so the, we are now have uh, Logan as the uh, representative of TorchU and we have uh, Steve, who some of you will know as uh, guested. Um, and they are the people that now will be conducting support. 
but one of the main things is that um let me just put it in for those people who are not in the pro client so they will not have seen the earlier link that uh, went in the text and I, oh let me i've got i've gone to the early one here Lando. let me find the right one there it is i'm only copying this because obviously if you're in the pro client you'll be able to scroll back and see the link but people have come in on the web client will only see the uh, text as it is shown once they've joined. So that is a link to a video. Don't click on it now, just save it. And that is a less than a three minute method of using a SIP client to get onto TalkShoe. And hopefully we'll have people using that next week. So um, I don't think there's anything much more to say about that, except to play this little clip. This is Anthony Burge, Jessica Burke, and Christine Larson of the Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who. And you're listening to the Kokum Collective. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed that little thing. Um, well, uh, I've got one more little thing to mention. that If you actually subscribe... Oh, hang on a second. Uh, Randall, do you want to come in and mention something about Blink? Well, thank you, Dave. No, I uh, actually, a minute ago, I might have just read that link because it's so easy. It's VUC.LI, capital B-L-I-N-K, capital S-H-O-E, 3-M-I-N. So it's Blink Shoe 3 Minutes. Actually, it's not oh. that easy because there are two capital letters in it. But <laughs> the point is... Um, for years, TalkShoe has needed a way for you to call in. For example, if your uh, vision is not good or whatever, for whatever reason, you don't want to type all these codes in. We invented a system a couple of years ago, and a lot of people have used it, but it actually was for my show, uh, the idea SIP thing. And in that video, you will see how to do that. And then everybody, such as yourself, Dave, and your honorable co-hosts, could... Uh, paste in the exact string that people need, 7463, pound your show number, pound your pin, etc. Um, and a single paste will get you directly in the show without answering any questions or doing anything. And the Blink, as far as we've tried it, uh, several people, you download Blink, you install it, and you follow the instructions in the video. And if you paste that code in, you're on the air in three minutes. I've done it twice now. On on Windows. Yeah, I was so considering no, no using excuse. it. I was considering using it today, but because my co-host is unavailable at the moment, I thought no, it was you didn't want to screw things up. Yeah, no, you don't want to mess things up. But try it when you can, when there's no urgency, and you'll see that it's a very very good client. And we're working on some other things too. But if this causes a problem for TalkShoe, obviously I won't do any of it anymore. But that stuff's all available now. That's why people should get it and learn how to use it as quickly as they could. Right, and, and I'm sure most of the people here know Randall O from TalkShoe, but just to mention that uh, I was his <laughs> less than adequate co-host on the new wine consumer wine brands. The show ID for that is uh, 11888. It's in hiatus at the moment, but there's still marvellously good episodes there. Not that I made them marvellous, but... Uh, actually, Dave, actually, Dave, first of all, don't yeah. denigrate yourself. We were happy to have you with us. And second of all, we're going to be starting that again, maybe monthly at first. Maybe it may not be on TalkShoe, though, but that's beside the point. I will let you know. You can now, be a part just, of it. Just remind me, I have to drink wine on these shows, don't I? 
Yep, you're forced yeah, to. Yeah, compulsory. I thought so. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and uh, if if people oh, look like back, you're on... going to hate that. <laughs> I read well, uh, and if people look back, you'll find, um, especially if you go back nearly a year, that, that there was one of the the shows that I think probably got quite a lot of downloads more than others, and that was um, ideas for Christmas and uh, uh, you know what to buy people the what to buy a wine lover for Christmas. Yeah, good point. That's that's happened, I'm sure. And the other show, of course, is the uh, the one that is currently still being done, and it was on the, on Friday in the last one, uh, the VoIP Users Conference, and that is double two six double two, and that's a, another weekly show that uh, um, Randall does it. And uh, if you're lucky, you might hear uh, the very sexy lady from Asterix on there now and again. I think that's right. Oh yeah, oh yeah. As a matter of fact, let me. Uh... Let me see here if I can find something for you. Look to the skies. Keep watching the skies. <laughs> That's her. That's Allison. Allison yeah, Smith. Let's see who's on the VUC today. <laughs> yeah, what do they call her? Voice, a voice artist. Is that, is that the term for them? Absolutely. Yeah, she does voiceovers. She's done yeah. a lot of interesting stuff. Absolutely brilliant, Nat. Okay, let's um, uh, get back on with it. Unless there's anything else you want to add, we'll we'll move on with the topic. Okay, well, let me just mention that, that <laughs> Dave. Let me. I'm going to run away. Thank yeah. you, everybody, uh, for putting up with me, and I'm going. Um, and Dave, we'll we'll talk to you soon. I'll let you know what's going on. Okay, take care. Uh, I'll be welcome to help with you. That yeah. Cheers. Thank you. Okay, well. Um, let me just mention that um, if you're listening to this uh, show uh, later, or if indeed you uh, you have uh, it on iTunes, and you when you go into iTunes, you just download the latest episode. Can I ask you to just step back to iTunes and click the down arrow button and see? Because in the last few weeks and in the coming weeks, we're doing midweek shows, little Christmas specials. So it may, you may find that um, unless you've you, you've opened up the little list, you may find that you've missed some of these extra shows. One show that's just gone up recently in the middle of the week was um, a Cultdom Interviews episode. And this was myself interviewing the three uh, editors of The Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who. Now, I know the book came out a few months ago, but uh, they were on quite a few blogs close together. So uh, when we got in touch with Anthony, we said we'd try and get him uh, and do a show nearer to the Christmas period. And we did this show um, just before Thanksgiving Thursday and Black Friday. And that was with Anthony, Anthony Burge, Jessica Burke, and Christine Larson. And I've just got a short little clip um, just about two minutes to give you an idea of what their 50-odd minute interview was like. Even though it's written by academics, I would say it's very accessible and readers, uh, to lots of readers who are non-academic who might find, uh, you know, be turned off by the term academic, which it's, it's very engaging reading in the sense that we wanted it to be written in a, uh, to be accessible to everyone, where you, you, don't, you don't think it's going to be a dry, boring academic textbook. It's it's a, and especially talking about their favorite subject, we wanted to make sure that the the contributors in our own chapters were able to be a bit engaging for you know whoever may pick it up. Uh, Jess, um, I I would say that it's it's a collection of essays by fans for fans. It's it's um, 
the fact that it's a it's an academic work I think is just sort of it goes without saying fans that's what fans do we we discuss things critically but it's not one of those what you would normally think of as an academic which is you know uh dries out your eyeballs and makes you want to fall asleep um kind of thing uh, we had a lot of fun putting it together and uh hopefully people enjoy you know have fun reading it Yes, thought provoking and engaging but uh chris i would say this is evidence that you should never drink too much wine. Oh, yes, we've all got wine in front of us. Listeners. The entire book came about because <laughs> Jess and I drank too much wine while watching Doctor Who and were arguing about who was better, Donna or Rose. That's the story of how the book came about. That, 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 that's exactly true. Excellent. Uh, and you can tell, guys, listening to these people, uh, they're in for fun. Uh, serious it might be, methodical in its research it might be, but I'm sure uh, that's about as far as the serious part goes. And you've got some marvellous forewords and prefaces from that uh, at the beginning of the book from people that our listeners will certainly know, Barnaby Edwards, for instance. And uh, I'll stop it there, but uh, hopefully you will give that a listen. If you've caught this audio episode of the Cultum Collective by chance, the first one you found. Uh, we've got now over 130 episodes up on TalkShow ID 54821. We have the blog at cultum.com. We have a Facebook fan page, the Cultum Collective fan page. And of course, if you subscribe to us on iTunes, you will not only be able to listen back to all the live episodes that we've done as they are recorded, of course, but um, those specials that are uh, you know, come out from time to time and look out for another one coming out this uh, midweek, which will be another one of our specials uh, with Mike Randall Thorne, uh, Ian the Sixth Doctor and myself. And uh, I've just about finished editing of that. That should be going up probably uh, Wednesday of this week. Well, I think um, we're about 30 minutes into the show. And it's about time we considered the topic itself. Well, the topic is when dinosaurs rule the box office. Um, the, the, the whole topic might not take us the three hours that we took with the Sarah Jane Adventures, but the thought was that um, certainly uh, going back 15 years ago, or going back to uh, the 1980s, uh, I think the first film that really got us in to um, dinosaurs being big business is this particular film. There it is. Welcome to Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How do you do this? Become the greatest adventure of all time. Can I touch it? Sure. Universal Pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butt. A Steven Spielberg film. This is a feeling all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! Get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. Uh, 
Okay, and I just noticed the text that Darth has put in. Do you just want to mention that before we get really onto the topic, Darth, or not? About Blink. Oh, yeah. I mean, Blink is something that was advertised to be primarily Mac OS, and they've only recently then gotten Windows uh, associated with it. And there's also a Linux version, too. Um, but it should be pointed out that the Mac OS version requires 10.5 and therefore really Intel Macs as well. Um, at least I, it looks like it's Intel Macs because it's certainly not running on mine and mine's not an Intel Mac, so I don't know. Um, but uh, that kind of limits it a little bit. I mean, I guess most people would be fine because most people who might have a Mac nowadays will, you know, be running 10.5 and will probably be an Intel Mac. But the thing about Macs is they last for a much longer period of time than your average Windows computer will. So there'll be a lot of people who yeah. you know, still have PowerPC Macs and they really won't be helped by this thing at all. So something to consider. Right. And I noticed, by the way, when I, I have actually got it on my other computer, not this one. Um, I didn't need to install the Bonjour. It was already on my system, presumably from one of the other SIP clients I'd installed. So um, presumably it interrogates your system to see if you have that Bonjour on it. And um, and there is, um, they do have what looks like um, a Twitter following um was it AG, AG Projects on Twitter? I'm not sure whether that will give any further information on it. Okay, um, I said 80s. Of course, the film Jurassic Park came out as far as, I believe, in 1993. And I don't know the answer to this, Charlie, so, but you've still got a chance of uh, five points. How many films were there in the Jurassic Park series? Was it three, four, or five? Oh, well, as far as I... That's, um Today, there's been three of them. Two of them have been by Steven Spielberg, and the last one was directed by Joe, I have to say his right name right, Joe Johnson of uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids fame. So I'm sure, and there's always been, been rumors of sequels in the pipeline, but as far as uh, right now, there's three. Okay, first, is, is this, go on. And the first, first two have been, have been based on, you know, loosely based on, um, uh, the first two Michael Crane, well, the only two Michael Crane books, you know, Jurassic Park and The Lost World, respectively. So, okay, is, uh, now is this a genre that you like? Uh, did you enjoy those films when they came out? I mean, I know oh, yeah. it's like seventeen years ago now. Yeah, I remember seeing seeing Jurassic Park uh, with my family, and you know, I remember and when the I, you know, the, um, the, the 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 care they put into it with, with the, the CGI with all the effects with the the the, um, the puppets the full size and the, and the small smaller puppets were really were really well done and I think yeah it's, um, I remember seeing that movie it came out uh, and like and I I read the book at, around the same time I remember reading when Lost World the book came out reading that uh, right away so I could, and um, yeah, I, I, I think it was I, the, the second one was more was was not as enjoyable as the first. I haven't seen the third one, so I can't really comment on that one. Right. But, yeah. Well, I know Michael Crichton was really pumping out the books at that time. He was. Oh yeah. One of the biggest authors, really, wasn't he? Um, I think you're right about the actual CGI because when I when we were talking before about um, Superman on one of the past programs. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm just catching my breath here. Um, 
you know, when the, the first Superman film, they just about had the technology to make it look as though a man can fly. And I came out of the theatre, you know, feeling as though they'd done that justice. Because if when Superman was supposedly flying, you didn't believe that, then then your disbelief or whatever would fail. But I remember the the um, the scene when they first come across the browsing uh, Brontosaurus or whatever it was, Sam Neill and his uh, and the girl and the others, and they and they suddenly come into view. I mean, I remember that being a breathtaking scene. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was supposed to be. It was the first time you saw the uh, the dinosaurs at all. Right. Right. Well, I'm going to go to other people, but before I do that, I've only got two clips from Jurassic Park. So I'll play the second one, and then I'll go to each of the people, uh, Tiggs and Darth and so on, and Rick Wall, to ask them their thoughts on this particular movie when they saw it. But let's hear the second clip from it. British family on a yacht cruise stumbled upon site B. And now it's only a matter of time before this lost world is found and pillaged. Hopefully we've kept this island quarantined and contained, but I'm in shock about all this. But then later there's running and then screaming. What the hell was that? Go. As fast as you can. I need you to send rescue immediately. Taking dinosaurs off this island is the worst idea in the history of bad ideas. Let's get this movable beast on the way. Don't move! What is it? Mommy's very angry. Very uh, laid-back Jeff Gold, um, wasn't it, in the second one that um, played the mathematician and chaos theory you talked about, uh, and this running, and this and this running. <laughs> uh, and, of course, Pete Postlewaite was in it, I think. Uh, of course, the, the perhaps the most well-known face was Richard Attenborough. So uh, any, anything more do you want to say, Charlie, at that, on that one before I, I go to Tiggs and then Darth? Um. Uh, not much. I just remember. I saw. I've only seen really the Lost World once, um, and it was. It was just. It was fine. It was like there was some nice uh, piece set pieces in that movie with the whole T Rex running through uh, the city at the end, sort of a harken back to you know the monster movies that Spielberg probably watched as a kid. Um, and there's that. There's one bit where the T Rex is chasing people, and you, you get to see it in a uh, shot of it stepping on, on somebody, but. Um, yeah, as you said, they're, they're nice, good popcorn films. Both Jurassic Park films. Okay, right. Uh, let's go to uh, Tiggs then. 
Um, yeah, I I remember seeing um, Jurassic Park. I think I actually didn't see it in in the cinema. I waited until my brother got it on VHS. Um, but you know, I well, maybe I did see it in the cinema. I genuinely can't remember. I do remember at the time being blown away by the effects. Um, this was back at a time where I would play, you know, kind of, you know, spot the join as it were. You know, I knew those things were not there, and I could not see the join. Now it'd be interesting to see you know, how the effects would stand up these days, because I've not seen it for several years. But one thing that I do remember is it definitely kicked off, you know, a big kind of, you know, dinosaur frenzy um, all over all over the media. You know, everything had, you know, dinosaurs after that. Certainly anything that had dinosaurs would always quote the same 65 million years. You know, everything would use the same time frame as in, you know, Jurassic Park just kind of established the way people thought of in movies and TV, you know, to do with, you know, to do with dinosaurs and, you know, anything that could crowbar in a dinosaur would do. You know, I know there were a couple of um, episodes of Sliders in, I think, the second and third seasons that featured, um, that featured dinosaurs. And I'm sure that it's not at all a coincidence that, um, that, in the same year when Power Rangers aired, you know, it's got to be linked that because the Japanese footage that they were using was full of dinosaurs, that had to have been a deciding factor for the, you know, for the execs to go, yeah, let's give this a try. Everyone likes dinosaurs because everything just went kind of dino crazy for a good few years. Um, it died down eventually, but, you know, it was very, very big. And I think Jurassic Park was certainly the big thing to kick it off. And, you know, I think in part it's because, you know, the effects were good. It looked like there were dinosaurs there, you know, to, you know, uh, to borrow a phrase from one of our other um, common um, common franchises, you know, there were no shaky sets here. You know, the the effects were spot on. And I think it just started something massive. Um, pun not intended. <laughs> Yeah. I can't yeah. believe I walked into that one. <laughs> yeah, you have to practice. <laughs> right, we'll go to Darth and then I'll ask uh, Rick Wall. So, Darth, uh, these two films, w- w- didn't they really create the uh, the, the dinosaur hullabaloo, as it were? After no, of course they didn't. No, no that's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, re- they, they might have in the, in the, mo- re- in the modern nineties, but the uh, reawakened perhaps. But I mean, clearly, what created it, or at least early, an earlier creation, was Godzilla. I mean, can't really mm. get away from that. Um, and then you know, in the early cinema, that it was a common thing in early cinema uh, where you would, uh, you know, the the Lost World, the actual first Lost World, that is the one based on. Um, Conan Doyle writings. That, the that pro- was a, Professor Challenger, was it? Uh, the what? Wasn't it Professor Challenger? No? I don't no. know. If I'm, no, I don't think so. Uh, but, I mean, you know, you're talking about silent films like 1925 or whatever. I mean, early, early, early fascination with dinosaurs. So, I mean, you can find in, you know, the, there's... And then you've got, you know, in the 60s, the, what's the Anthony Ainley film? Um, the... Do, 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 what the hell's the name of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll come to me eventually. But at any rate, you you've got you know twenties, forties, sixties, eighties. It it comes and goes. It's just a, it's been with cinema as long as it you know 
pretty much any other genre. So I don't I don't credit Jurassic Park. And maybe one of the reasons I don't credit Jurassic Park is because when I went to go see it in the cinema in London, I fell asleep. <laughs> um, so it is it is not a franchise that I have any particular um, love for. Um, and I think it's definitely Spielberg's weakest franchise uh, in terms of story. It might have been important. It, it definitely was important, we know, to um, you know the development of CGI. Um, but in terms of actual story, uh, I just honestly don't like it. Don't have any particular affection. Right. The the the, the Professor Challenger character was played by Claude Rains, but I can't remember the exact title. Um, it, it, it's where. It, it's it's the one where he goes up to a you know they climb up to a similar mountain top uh, a little bit like the island of King Kong you know where they go up to the top of that right and I can't remember the name of the film but uh, that was one of the I mean yes I mean uh, the number of old films where you would see uh, uh, you know the map the map painted screen and then they'd have two lizards with the, with fans stuck on their backs uh, to make them look as though they were dinosaurs not lizards. Um, uh, but I think uh, perhaps that we're unfair. I mean, Tig certainly uh, that was missing uh, uh, some... Erwin Allen's uh, la- um, um, Land of uh, the Lost. Yeah, um, Land of the Lost, Rickwald. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's the, the Lost World remake that Erwin Allen did in yes. the piece. Right. That's 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 what you're talking about, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, well, I only make sense half the time. I know that, but it, it was Claude Rains, the, the chap who played the Invisible Man, um, but he played this Professor Challenger chap, and they went to. He came out with a dinosaur. He'd lost the di- Nobody believed him, so he gave this talk at the institute, and so they put up the money for another expedition, and and off they go. Um, and of course, um, in lots of other films, they've had monsters that may not be officially dinosaurs, but um, prehistoric-looking uh, uh, creatures of that time. Okay, Rick Wall, uh, have any thoughts on the Jurassic Park franchise at all? Uh, yeah, I liked it. Um, uh, um, although I do agree you're forgetting all the Ray Harryhausen dinosaur stuff, the stop-motion stuff, which was, I, I think, just as good, if not better. I I do like um, uh, um, uh, uh, Stan Winston's uh, um, um, effects, though, in, in uh, uh, Jurassic Park. I kind of like the story. I don't know. I'm, I disagree. I don't think the story was that bad. Uh, but the effects, yeah, uh, fantastic. And... Um, um, uh, whether you like Stan Winston or not, or think he, he just had creative people around him and he just uh, lent his name to it, fine. But I thought uh, um, um, this either he, he, him doing it or the people who did the CGI were excellent. All right. Now, I just want to go back to Darth here a little bit for some explanation for me, in fact. Uh, when we talk about these, well, I know Tiggs is into this sort of thing. When we talk about Godzilla, is Godzilla assumed to be, you know, a dinosaur left over? Or is Godzilla assumed to be a dinosaur-like creature uh, that's not necessarily, you know, from... 
you know, from 50 odd million years ago, it's just supposed to be like um, uh, a loose end. Godzilla was a dinosaur trapped on uh, one of the uh, Bikini Atoll islands Mm. uh, that was mutated, at least if I remember correctly, uh, into Godzilla. Right. And uh, that's that's how he was created. Oh, right, from the nuclear testing, you mean? Yeah. yeah on the bikini at Ah. Oh. Yeah. That's why, that's why it's sort of uniquely Japanese. I mean, it definitely plays on, you know, the World War II experience to come up with this thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So, I mean, um, do, do we even go back into the silent era then with um, some of these dinosaur... I mean, were there any movies in the silent era? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like The Lost World uh, is, um, you know... From oh, it was, the, that was silent, right? Well, well, I mean, there have been, you know... The first one was, yeah. Yeah, the very first one there, is definitely... Yeah. yeah. There was like uh, three or four remakes of it, actually, so... Oh, I think there's more right. than that. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's at least five or six, but yeah. and then And then, of course... You know, Jurassic Park steals this name for its second, um, you know, outing, which just kind of inflamed me. I thought that was <laughs> horrible. Um, but that might be Michael Crichton too. I, I don't know which case, I don't know if there is. Is there a preceding book to yeah. film two? Okay. Yeah. He stole. He stole the name. Right. Not, yes. He stole Silver. the name. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, yeah. But then you know you could consider King Kong, you know. Which is sort of semi-silent. That has uh, that has yeah. dinosaurs in it too. You know, it's not just King Kong. Yes, uh, I realise that. I mean, I've, I've got yeah. a clip for the later one uh, that I'll play in a short while. But um, the first one, that was the one with Faye Ray as the main actress. Is that right? Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. And that came out in what? Thirty-two. Thirty-three. Yeah. God, you guys know this stuff. <laughs> well, that's same that. year as Hitler. <laughs> well, that whole um, with King Kong, that whole thing. Um, Willis O'Brien, who did the stop motion animation for that, he had a, he was going to do another project. O'Brien, yes, Willis O'Brien. Right, he was going to do a pr- project called Creation, and that was going to feature all the dinosaurs, and um, that got scrapped. And so he just said, you know, you know, and um, Marion C. Cooper, who made the movie, said, you know, I want to use your your talents for King Kong, because he had this idea about doing a movie with a giant gorilla, and you know, Will O'Brien said, well, I got all these uh, dinosaurs made already for this movie, so I'll just, can I just use it from this? He said, sure, go ahead. So, Excellent. Well, uh, uh, let me play the clip of the, um, the, the newer King Kong, and then everybody in the room, we've not got that many on mic, so don't wait for me to, to call your name to join in. So this is just over two minutes. I want the cast and crew on the ship within the hour. No, Carl, you can't do that. Tell them the studio pressure doesn't want early departure. It's not ethical. What are they going to do, sue me? Huh? They can get in line. I'm not going to let them kill my film. We have three hours to find a new leading lady, or we're finished. There are thousands of actresses out of work in this city. Somewhere out there is a woman born to play this role. A woman who will journey into the heart of the unknown. Towards a fateful meeting that changes everything. I've come into possession of a map, an uncharted island. 
uneasy, and Feelings growing, washing over you. Scream, man! Scream for your life! Herb, get the camera. We've had a number of people join us in the room and guests and uh, uh, Jiffy G7, uh, welcome. The topic is, of course, um, when dinosaurs rule the box office. Now, that was the, the clip I've got. Uh, by the way, I tend to use these trailer clips because I think um, there can't be any issue about playing those uh, because they are trailers. They're actually there as adverts for the shows themselves. So we're doing them a service by playing them. So, um, anybody want to jump in either on the, the original King Kong, which I think I prefer. Oh, hello. Sorry, I had my uh, IMs on. Uh, yeah, well, you've probably got a ghost at your house with all your goings on. And we <laughs> missed you on our horror one. I think you missed our horror episode, which was a bit disappointing. I hope you listened back to it. Uh, yes, I did. I was uh, out at a party that night. Ah, that's no excuse. <laughs> you have to stamp in and come in on time. I check your ticket, you know. And uh, I mean, uh, it's only because I've been uh, cajoling Tig's Panther that he's uh, reporting for duty, sir, every week now. <laughs> okay, uh, Tig, let's go back to Tig's then. Uh, I, I think I'm a, a bigger fan of the first one because I'm not really a black, uh, Jack Black fan, really. Uh, any thoughts? And I thought that, is it Adrian Brody? thought, although I loved him in the piano and I've, I loved him in one or two other things, I didn't think he was the right casting in uh, this King Kong. But your I thoughts? Act- I didn't actually see it, I've got to admit. Um, in some parts, because I've never really actually seen any earlier King Kong films, so I've got to admit the, um, the remake really didn't interest me because it was a remake of a film I'd never really seen anyway, so I can't really comment on this one, I'm afraid. Okay. Um, Darth, you, I mean, I, I assume you preferred the first one. Um, I don't know. Uh, I've, I don't really like King Kong at all. I mean, I've seen... We're, of course, forgetting the middle... I think I like the middle one better than the first one or the last one. Um, that is the one with... Um, uh, Jessica Lange, yeah, Jessica Lange and, and um, Bridges, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if, if only because that, I like yeah. those two actors. I mean, they at least give me something to sort of hold on to. Plus, I think there's more effort in that middle film to give us a an idea of culture uh, on this island. Um, so it's it's sort of a more interesting deep backstory, um, and I think that that one more successfully. 
Well, that that one obviously is doing something different than what I mean. King Kong by Peter Jackson is a remake of the original. King Kong um, by uh, or with Jessica Lange is actually Dino De Laurentiis. Is, there you go, Dino De Yeah, is is an update. You know, because it's set in modern times, and and you know, there's this whole you know echo terrorism or plot line that's going on, um, which is kind of cool. Um, so I kind of like the middle one better because it's got more, it's got more weight. It's got more substance to it. Um, I don't know. I mean, in terms of the, the cinematic achievement for me, King Kong is very much like Jurassic Park. I mean, it, um, in um, Jackson's King Kong in that it's really amazing what he manages to do, but it is so damn long. I mean, it's chase after chase after meaningless chase. Um, it could have been cut down by an hour and still been fine and probably been a better representation of the original. Um, but whatever. I mean, the whole, the whole King Kong myth doesn't really interest me that much, but I watch it because it's important to, you know, cinema history. Okay. Uh, Rick Wall? Uh, preference? Huh? Uh, uh, I like uh, of course, I'm going to say the original because, uh, again, O'Brien was the teacher of um, uh, Harryhausen. Harryhausen, so, uh, and I think Harryhausen is the master, but um, I liked uh, Jackson's. I thought it was a great um, 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 homage to uh, to the original. Uh, was it a little long? Yeah, I could have done without meh, half an hour, 45 minutes of it. Uh, but uh, especially the uh, the last um, um, bit with the uh, um, um, biplanes on the uh, and the Empire State Building, I thought that was really a great homage to everybody who worked on uh, uh, both this remake and um, um, the original. Um, because he he had the um uh if you noticed and well I doubt that people noticed there was a Willis O'Brien uh um um person uh per- personage or whatever you want to call it in one of the planes. Um. Uh-huh. um and uh, I I I liked um, uh, that. I guess I'd be the only one. <laughs> no, no, yeah, there are always things. Like that. I mean, one of the things I thought was, and of course we're talking about dinosaurs here, and dinosaurs feature quite heavily. I mean, there's a very prolonged scene with the uh, Kong uh, falling down this. Uh, big crevasse. I mean, you know how big Kong is, so this is like a thousand foot drop where he's got uh, the girl in one hand and he's fighting off two dinosaurs. That was extremely clever. But the the, the, the previous one they'd done with the, uh, the charge of the dinosaurs through this uh, valley and with the actors sort of being almost stomped on, to me, it, it, it looked almost too frenetic as though, you know, too implausible, really. I mean, uh, uh, not the fact that there were dinosaurs alive, but but the way the whole stampede was doing. But uh, again, I thought the casting was a bit funny. I don't really like 
Jack Black in that part. Uh, Adrian Brody, I thought, was wasted. And I think they had the young Jamie Bell, who um, was the you know the uh, actor from Billy Billy Elliot. I think he was in it as well, which he didn't really seem to feature that much in it. So, um, and, and it, it certainly was a longish film. I didn't like all the blooming insects, really. That made me a bit feel a bit creepy. I didn't like that. But I suppose that was because it was so well done. Anybody else want to comment on um, on this whole use of dinosaurs? Because, of course, the whole thing is that Kong and dinosaurs should never meet, with Kong being a mammal, even an extremely large one. Um, <laughs> they're not really supposed to mix together. It's a little bit like going... I can't remember whether they did it in the, um, uh, the very famous uh, 10,000 years BC with... Um, who was the famous female actress... Um, you mean one million years BC with Raquel Welch? You see, I know why we have Charlie here. <laughs> <laughs> I points, yeah. Uh, like I was, did they have dinosaurs in that one? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did. yeah. That, I know that's, had... a, that's a Harryhausen movie. Yeah, and, I know they had... and, Go. and he said he said in interviews is the reason why they've had they have inter, they have dinosaurs and people together. If you just have a movie with cavemen, it's going to be boring. So he throw in some dinosaurs that would entertain the, the folks. Right. I know they had the saber-toothed tiger, which I don't know, they, they, they lasted after the dinosaurs. But, uh, yeah, and if we do run out of uh, things to talk about, I mean, later, I mean, there's the whole issue of, you know, do you start talking about cartoon films like Ice Age and that? Because they weren't really about dinosaurs, although they included things like mammoths and, and so on. It was really about the Ice Age 10,000 years ago rather than 57 million years ago. But um, let me move on to a couple of uh, uh, TV uh, shows um, that that had at least at some point uh, dinosaurs in them. Let me go to the one that only featured them once or maybe twice. Let me see. Here we are. I think I've got the right clip. And the yeah, I'll play it first, and then I'll find the clip. It's only a very short one. Journey to a place where dinosaurs rule. And mankind. I saw the remains of a man about a mile from here. Can you describe him? You're lucky that I can even tell you that he's human. Is an endangered species. Ah! A brand new slider. It's Friday at 8, 7 Central. And it was in, Di- in Dino Veritas was the actual episode title, I think. Series 2, episode 17. Now, I don't know whether they visited it, but I mean... Um, they, they obviously felt as though they needed to sort of have it having variously gone around the same the same park, the same streets, the same house in slightly different universes. Decided to do something a little bit different. Uh, anybody remember that episode? I thought it was a an interesting variation on it. The slide yeah, is confused when animal poachers when they land in a world where San Francisco is the preserve of dinosaurs. Sorry, I cut something All off. Oh, right. And, and, and the, um, uh, the ranger was a hologram or a robot or... A hologram, yes. I think, was it? Yes, yeah. something like that. Oh, Do you yeah. remember it? <laughs> so, I vaguely like remember it. I've, I've got that series uh, on DVD, but not seen it for a while. Yeah, well, there are a couple of a couple of places where uh, you know actually dinosaurs make a, a sort of uh, one episode uh, feature. Obviously, it, this is not really many bells. I wasn't a bells. big Sliders fan, so 
Oh, good, good, good. Anybody else want to comment on sliders, or is that just a little passing comment as we move along? Yeah, there was one other one-off episode, um, well, sort of one-off, in the, in um, in season three, um, they return to a world to find out that it's got dinosaurs in it that hadn't shown up in the previous episode, but, you know, again, there's just a couple of, oh, let's put in dinosaurs, basically, so... Well, they go back, doesn't... Uh... One of the guys make um, friends with a young boy, uh, yes. on the uh, and the and they go back. Uh, it's, it's, from. it's from it's from the Exodus two parter where um, uh, where they lost the professor and picked up Maggie and um, first started chasing Rickman and you know um, when Maggie's homeworld was destroyed and uh, the hundred and fifty survivors all moved onto a new world. Um, you know, Rembrandt had made friends with, I think it was Rembrandt had made friends with this kid, and then, you know, several episodes yeah. later, they pop back to that world again to revisit the kid, and they find out that the world's got dinosaurs in it, and that episode is called Dino Slide. It's um, third from the end of that season. Ah, right. Yeah, I found I found the Exodus Part 1 and 2. Um, yeah, episode 46 it is. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that, and uh, it was good. Uh, I take it nobody else wants to comment, Arthur, anybody? Okay, let's move to another TV one, and this time it's um, one in the um, UK, and I've only really got the theme here for it, but you'll know it is straight away, I think. Anybody for five points? No? no. Primeval, UK. Um, and that is possibly coming back for a new series. Um, in fact, series four and five has apparently been commissioned. Uh, we've had three series. It then got canned ooh, uh, quite some time ago, uh, about a year two two years ago. Anyway, the first of two new series will start airing in January uh, 2011. You see how uh, topical we are here. Uh, series 5 is currently being filmed and will air later in 2011 on Watch and then be shown in ITV 1 in 2012. So that's two series, 4 and 5. Don't know how many episodes, but knowing the UK business, there'll probably be only 6 or 8 episodes I think when the the first series aired, in uh, there were only six episodes. Uh, then series two had seven episodes, and series three had um, ten episodes. So there's only about 23 episodes all in all for all three. But I, I quite like that. And uh, people may have noticed in the past of me... Uh, posting little uh, pictures of uh, a couple of the members of the cast, which I might just do now. Uh, one of the ones that used to be in a singing group. 
anybody, uh, Andy, did you catch Primeval? You're, you're probably the most likely one here to have done so. Um, I've caught one or two episodes. I've got to admit, I sort of, the one time I really watched it was through sheer curiosity more than anything else, just uh, simply because um, the um, uh, the Anomaly Research Centre that they use from um, season two onwards, the external shot is the Duke of Kent building from the University of Surrey, where I work. So it's like I um, oh. although I do really watch the show. It's like, okay, I've got to see this. And it's like, yeah, this is, a, this, is, this is a building that I tend to walk past every day when I'm on my lunch break. So um, it's actually quite cool. But I've not really caught it, but in part it's, it's because, um, well, to be honest, because it's on ITV and I don't watch shows if I know I'm going to get interrupted by an ad break. Um, at some point I will probably get it on on DVD just so I can watch the episodes straight through. But to be honest, I don't watch much stuff on ITV because I prefer to watch stuff in one shot. So not got around to watching it yet. Right. Uh, the the actress in uh, in thing was Hannah Spirit, uh, but I can't find the picture. Uh, I'm doing too many things at once to actually find that. As we welcome Mr. Graham Sheridan into the room, let me just unmute him and allow chat. Hi, Graham. Good evening. Just made it in. Yeah. Let me just <laughs> refresh you. You uh, we've um, we've covered. Um, in this topic, uh, when dinosaurs rule the box office, yep. we've we've uh, covered the Jurassic Park films. Yep, thought you might. We've we've uh, done about the variations of uh, King Kong that also featured uh, uh, dinosaurs, um, and we've also just started. We just mentioned the Sliders episode, which was called um, Dino. In Dino Veritas, the one where they go to a, a world where dinosaurs are still running, and you might have just heard we're talking about uh, sliders Prime currently. Evil. Sorry, Prime oh, Evil. Primeval, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Is that Super. something you caught? Oh, uh, do you want to comment on the ones we've passed? Well, the the one we passed. I mean, Jurassic Park. Um, it was one of these films that I stayed away from for a long, long time until it eventually came on television. And uh, then I wondered why the hell I actually stayed away from the film franchise. Um, the weird thing is that the first thing I actually caught was the third part, uh, which I had to admit I actually really, really enjoyed. Um, <clears throat> the way that they're going back to the, the island, well, as far as I remember, was an island that, um, that they'd was going to set up another island, uh, not the original island, but another island. Um, I, I memory fades on me, but I did really enjoy it. Uh, the way that the uh, dinosaurs were actually brought to life. And this, well, what they did there uh, um, with the with the effects of that, um, basically was brought us up bang up to date and a bit further on for the, for the films that were coming up afterwards, uh, not, not just specifically from this um, area alone. But uh, you're speaking about uh, King Kong, the King Kong films there, and uh, quite a few, fair few of those were um, uh, basically, you have the original film and that, and then you have these other ones that have been made, and they didn't really uh, speak to me that much. Um, but there's one thing, uh, and I'm trying to remember what it is, uh, of all the dinosaurs and been mentioned, I'm surprised that unless you, you're not, you've either forgotten about it or you're not, you've not got not onto it, to it, it yeah. uh, was for me, uh, I'll just, I'll nod in Godzilla. Has yes, uh, Darth mentioned Godzilla. 
because yeah, uh, what had happened what happened is that um, both me and Tiggs were saying that Jurassic Park really revived it but of course uh, there'd been a lot of other stuff before that and just for the people in the room at the moment those are two of the pictures from uh, Abby who was in uh, Sliders uh, not in Sliders in Primeval who was one of uh, one of my recommendations for the show yeah Uh, I'll quickly blast through Godzilla so we'll get on with this Um, now Godzilla yeah for me it comes in three uh, distinctive uh, parts um, first of all, the bit that I know the best, uh, or originally knew the best, uh, the Hannah and, Bear, Hannah and Barbera cartoon. I don't say people made you Scooby-Doo in that. Uh, I'm not sure when it originally broadcast, because obviously these things got rebroadcast and rebroadcast, uh, so I'm not sure when it originally came out. Um, but this... Um, the original, for, for me, my original sort of way into uh, Godzilla was the Hanna-Barbera cartoon, uh, which then eventually brought in a little sort of side character that was uh, just about spit smoke. Uh, but it was definitely... Godzuki. Uh, Godzuki. It was, it was funny, and it was uh, it was funny as such, but uh, the main thing, it was good. Um, the thing with Godzilla is that it's called Godzilla... But it was mainly about the characters on the ship and them sorting out, of, you know, having problems to sort out. And really, Godzilla in the cartoon was nothing much more than K-9. You know, when they couldn't come any further, they called Godzilla to come in and mash whatever it was, uh, whatever the monster of the week was, and, and that was it. Though it was quite funny. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> you know, that was that first way in. And then I sort of cottoned on to where it originally came from, which is the the original Japanese um, films there, which is basically a, a, some sort of guy in um, you know, guy in a rubber suit in a upscaled uh, version of Tokyo, usually uh, going mashing everything to bits to whatever the uh, monster of the, the film was at that time, which is... Um, prox- uh, I've seen one with a moth in it. Uh, Mothra versus Godzilla. Uh, which was absolutely dreadful, but you know, when they're actually going head to head with with uh, actual proper other dinosaurs themselves, you know, that was more watchable. But it was sort of the usual sort of uh, way. Me being a sort of a Western, yeah, I'm a guy of Western origin, and uh, so to speak, and. Yeah, um, it is sometimes hard to follow these films because it's made for a Japanese market and they sort of, well, their tastes and the way they think, they think differently, uh, to use the Apple terminology to that. Um, So sometimes it wasn't quite easy to follow. You know, a bit like sometimes like anime is not easy to follow for me because it seems to be a lot of, for me, a lot of weird, scary bits and uh, fights for no reason sometimes. And then they get back to the story eventually. But, um, you know, not to criticise anime too much. Well, well, Graham, um, 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 some of the, uh, in the first series, okay, they turned into children's um, um, stories. The yeah. later ones were more geared for kids than the uh, earlier ones. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, finally coming on to the... I can't remember what year it came out, but... Um, I'm also Madrid Bodri- I can't remember who starred in it, but the, the actual proper Godzilla film itself there, we had... P. Diddy doing a cover of a Led Zeppelin tune uh, for the part of the soundtrack. Uh, I'm probably one of the few people who actually liked it. 
Jolly P uh, 1998, uh, which would have been out around the time when I was out in Canada. So this was out in the cinemas and came out on, on videotape and such forth. And uh, I'm probably one of the few people who actually does like that film. Um, as much as it's one of those films that I watch when it's on TV. I don't have it in my collection yet, uh, but I watch when it's on TV and uh, when it comes back in because it's usually long enough time that I forgot how where the film goes <laughs> and how it starts. It's it's one of those sort of lovely things. Leave your films long enough so you've roughly forgotten how it goes. It's like, oh, I haven't watched that in a while. Now, how does that film go? Oh, do you know what? To remind me, I'll just watch it again. So, um, uh, yeah, what could I call it? I like the idea roughly behind it because then it goes back to the sort of the, uh, the sort of the um, the B movies of the 50s sort of idea that the dropping of A bombs or H bombs uh, and the radiation basically caused um, uh, I've forgotten these the uh, dragons what do they call the dragons the um, Komodo dragon uh, a Komodo dragon basically to mutate into this. Uh, this monster creature, which is like a, you know, it's like take this idea from the sort of 50, you know 50s, update it a bit, and um, let rip. It's fantastic. I really did enjoy the film, um, even when it's you now we're getting on with the, the brood and it's uh, the brood, you know, Godzilla turns out to be female because it's laid eggs, and that, and they find out where the brood sits. So, yeah, uh, fantastic. Um, now I was thinking about Jurassic Park there. I can't remember which one, if anybody sort of, because uh, I'm thinking Godzilla, which always reminds me of one of the Jurassic Parks, where the uh, the idiots bring a um, Tyrannosaurus uh, into New York, and it runs riot. And well, that, that might was... be the third one, because I think most of us here have only seen the first two. The first yeah, one, and then the, the second third, one, The Lost World. One. The Lost World, because oh. that was the one where they're oh, on the yeah. island. It's fantastic. That's, that with, is... Jeff, that's with Jeff Goldblum, and uh, that, yeah, and... Uh, uh, and um, Pete Pothelswaite, the second one, but it might yeah. be the third one that third did one. what you said. Well, yeah, uh, Jeff is in the third one also, but um, um, yeah, uh, they bring in uh, a uh, w- actually they bring in a wounded baby um, um, uh, T Rex, hmm. uh, and on the uh, on the ship also is a uh, mother T Rex that got on. And uh, Rex Havoc can Rex uh, runs into the uh, um, the dock in I believe it's Los Angeles. Yeah, right. Yeah. Is that what Charlie? Yeah. Charlie, is that what you're saying? It it's right. two. It's the second one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was the second one. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the theater. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because okay. the third one, as far as I remember, is the um, basically a plane goes down over an island. Uh, with a couple of kids on board, and then the parents, uh, Leon, what's her name? She's married to um, X Files guy, I think. Yeah, that was definitely in the trailer that I played for two. It starts with the little girl finding these little, look like quite friendly little things on the beach. Yeah, right. <laughs> <and> gets bit. <laughs> <laughs> It's quite funny in its whole, um, but um, I can't remember what's the actress's name. Um, Leon, Tia Leon. Tia Leon. Yeah. Tia Leon. She's in the third one, and it's basically her. Her husband's played by William H Macy, and they basically go uh, hire a a bunch of um, basically hunters, sort of hunters you could imagine from quite literally stepped out of a King Kong film at the 30s, so to speak. Right. Um, 
and they, they basically go to the rescue mission there, which, I, quite honestly, it's one of these ones I do really enjoy on a regular basis when it's back. It's one of those ones I leave for the TV. Um, you know, it's films like that. Like, uh, as an example, Groundhog Day came on the TV, even though I've got a t- on DVD. That's an example of something I'll watch when it's on TV again. Um, but, you know. Hey, I'll watch anything, folks. But actually, I'll like that film. Otherwise, I'm trying to just you know trying to think of stuff. There are plenty of sort of dinosaur films out there if you want to go look at it. And the The Land Before Time is another example. as an animated one, you know. Uh, let's do one for the kids, and and it's all nice and uh, cushy and and soft and that. When it's you know, it probably in reality would have been anything f- far from. But you know, it's it's a it's a Disney style film. I don't know if it's Disney itself. I'm sure it wasn't. Um, but, well, that's uh, been the made audience always. Uh, dinosaurs always, but the kids. It's been a big draw to kids. Yeah. I mean, if we want kids, here's the biggest kid one of the lot. <laughs> Because I'm being corrected, probably quite rightly, as Darth says in text, it's not a kids' show; it's a family show. I suppose, like The Simpsons, isn't it? It appeals on many levels. Yeah, it's the four gang, probably the four ganger from the uh, or the uh, proceed proceder to The Simpsons, just done a bit differently. Uh, of course, The Simpsons. It's off topic, though. Um, where were well, we? the, Flintstone, the Flintstone isn't. No, Flintstones the Flintstones isn't, but. The Flintstones is it, but um, um, The Simpsons definitely is. No, oh, yeah. yeah um, though, interestingly enough, uh, Family Guy. I was watching an episode the other night. Uh, they had a prehistoric episode with uh, dinosaurs and everything. Um, it was just, well, I say episode. It was just a little skit with it, as Family Guy usually does. And um, uh, Peter was trying to sell the wheel. Uh, to the rest of the cavemen around, and the only thing they could work out was to get Lois into a, a sexy uh, leotard style, like Leela sort of thing, going there. But that was sort of prehistoric. Um, otherwise, uh, just about bang up to date. Um, yeah, I think it's caught up with us. Um, um, primeval, basically. Um, yeah, primeval. I mean, it, it, it has fortunately aired here on German TV, and. Um, Actually, on a, what I call one of the main private channels here, um, I think it was on RT. Was it? It's either RTL or Pro uh, Pro Seven. Pro Seven, who uh, who actually brought the new series of Doctor Who onto the television for the Ecclestone period, and then dumped it quite quickly when they put realised they put it on the wrong time of day, on the wrong um, on the wrong day of the week. Uh, well, not so much the wrong day of the week, but the wrong time of day. Um, but uh, yeah, they brought on Primeval. And uh, it's been it's been having a good journey ever since, and it does get an actually a rather large audience over here. Uh, the DVDs tend to sell really well, so you know, a nice idea, well executed, and it's probably one of the reasons why the um, 
they are. I'm not sure where the fourth season's supposed to be being made or started, or are they going to? Yeah, we, uh, uh, yeah. I, I put a link up before. Uh, season four will air early in 2011. Mm. Series five is now being recorded. Will uh, air first on what the Watch Channel in the UK, and then on ITV to the end of 2011. So, and again, probably like the other ones, there might only be sort of seven or eight in each one. Mm. I think the last series had 10 episodes in it. Uh, we probably expect that over here in Germany towards the end, uh, middle to, yeah, probably middle to September of 2012 then for that. Um, now, it's probably one of the reasons why uh got a four series is when ITV went around and looked and actually their overseas sales uh, made it probably actually also worth uh, producing a four series. Um no idea why they decided to try and cancel it after the third series. I mean, that was it was beyond me. It was a popular series over here, and by popular, I mean, um, I mean, Germany's always had, uh, like the states, more than just like in the UK was, you know, up to recently was only five channels on it, and then it went digital, and it's only because of digital you got more than five channels unless you had Sky, and um, over here we've always had around about thirty. Two um, channels, uh, so on average, thirty-two channels, and a lot of private ones at that. And uh, the private ones buying a lot of stuff. And Prime Evil was definitely in a prime slot uh, through the week because it, the prime slot is a Thursday night. A Thursday night. That's where on RTL two, uh, it start off with something like Prime Evil, mostly Prime Evil, and then as Prime Evil came to an end at uh, ten o'clock ish. You'd get um, you get Torchwood come on, uh, which and Torchwood took off really well over here, which is you know kind of odd um, in that sort of sense. So you know, Primeval. I mean, why did ITV had this weird notion that they should cancel it after three seasons? I have no idea. Well, I can only assume that uh, with all the the CGI, it might have been a quite an expensive one to produce, but. Uh, nonetheless, let, let's just move on at the moment because uh, I'm gonna, the only thing I want to mention today that isn't actually a, fi- a fictional show was one of the things that um, helped a lot of these fictional shows because it, it increased the expertise and that was a BBC series that was called um, Walking with Dinosaurs. I'll just put the little link into the wiki page about Walking with Dinosaurs and we'll just listen to a short clip of this. After a long trek across the ash fields, a group of Anatta Titan gather around a stagnant pool to drink and feed. Huge batteries of chewing teeth make short work of the vegetation. Once again, the predators make the water's edge a dangerous place. The group senses danger and starts to break up. Mother Tyrannosaurus has broken her fast, and she is back with a vengeance. In the bushes nearby is the reason for her hunger. Three Tyrannosaurus chicks wait, the only survivors from a clutch of twelve. The moment they hear the kill, they start calling for food.
The mother delivers a slab of anatta titan meat. Only four weeks old and less than a meter high, competition is intense between the chicks, and one is already picked on by the other two. Okay, I don't know how familiar that is. Uh, Tiggs, I take it it's something that you caught, perhaps? Um, a bit. Again, not a lot. I've... <laughs> If it's something that aired in the past few years, it was in the uh, when I didn't have easy access to TV. But I did see a bit of it, and it seemed really, really, you know, really, really well done. Um, just I've, apart from Doctor Who, I've not actually watched a lot of telly in the past three, four, five years. I mean, the, the group that produced this. I mean, a lot of it is actually filming real jungle backgrounds, and the superimpose the creatures on it and I, I think a lot of that expertise went into making things like the sliders mm-hmm. there's also been um, a couple of Horizon programs that have gone out in the UK uh, which uh, to those who don't know it it's um, a prestige uh, scientific uh, documentary style that uh, that comes out from time to time and uh, yeah, one mean, of the things they've done is about alien life forms. dinosaurs made it out here to the States, too. Oh, and thank you for that. Series. Thank yeah. you for that, Rick Wall. That, that helps yeah. me with, the, with hoping that our listenership uh, knows what, you know, what I'm referring to. And, and was it considered a, a class program when you caught it in the States? Uh, it was on um, um, PBS. Um, but um, you know, our, our public um, um, broadcasting yeah. system. Uh, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, oh God, it was. I think my system broke it down to like twelve, twelve episodes, thirteen episodes. I, I think they. Did, I think they did two series of it because they they they, they dealt with different. A, ages, you know, with the diff- I mean, they, they started off with the very early dinosaurs, basically amphibians right. coming out of the sea. Um, so um, they may well have it, done that. Yeah, I thought it was very well done. I I enjoyed the heck out of it. Okay, uh, Charlie, is this something that has reached your attention? Yeah, I remember um, watching it uh, when it came out. I remember watching. It was sort of a casual thing, but I remember watching and liking it. So, yeah. Yeah. And you may have gathered from that clip that you were just listening to. Obviously, you weren't seeing the pictures. But, I mean, it didn't hold back from, uh, you know, it was, it was quite like a, an African safari in terms of, you know, if an animal gets killed, you, you know, they're ripping guts. And, and when you hear that about it feeding its uh, young, there's a great lump of meat that just splat <laughs> on the uh, the floor. Um, so, um it, it was definitely an educational, but it was um, pretty... They didn't pull any punches or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, Darth, have you got any comments on this particular one? Is this sort of a, a I show... Don't it, I don't think we should be talking about it. I mean, it's... it's not uh, well, uh, yeah. It's not, I realize that. It's not fiction, so I don't know what business we have talking about it. But, well, I mean, uh, the title of the show... It's box office, isn't it? When the dinosaurs rule the box office. Uh, right. And it was a box office TV hit. How was it a box office TV hit? It wasn't. Well, theater, if you could, no, it wasn't in cinema. I don't think it was ever shown in the theater. It was done in high definition, so. Uh, but I don't think it ever actually got a screening like that. And it is available on Blu-ray and DVD, I think. Well, I mean, I just think if you start talking about this, you got to open up, you know, everything that's yeah. related to this, well, every kind of documentary, and then that's a whole 
show yeah. in itself. Well, I did, I did paraphrase. Yeah, I, I'm not disagreeing with you because uh, I do think you keep us on the straight and narrow quite often, which is good. Uh, but I do feel as though it was only because the reason I introduced the only it was only because of the expertise and computer graphics that they developed to make that documentary that made it possible to actually make some of these fictional programs in the UK. Because basically, as as they say with um, the film Avatar, you know the whole the whole world of Avatar is now di- in a digital form. It will be cheaper to make the second movie. Because they basically got all the digital scenery well, in the camera. Well, uh, actually, Dave, it was more like, um, if I remember correctly, it actually came a- after um, most of the uh, most of the um, stuff has been had been done already. Like, uh, I think it was post Jurassic Park. Nineteen ninety nine, it aired. Yeah. Uh, but it was before things like the TV shows. That's the what I said. Uh, it, the point is, these TV shows like Primeval um, were calling upon the expertise of shows like this. I don't think Primeval would have been... I mean, there's an awful lot. If you caught Primeval, there's a heck of a lot of CGI. I mean, if you watch something like Buffy, which is not about this show, but programs that would have CGI, you might have two to three minutes of CGI in the whole 42 minutes of the episode. Where in Primeval, uh, I don't know, could it even be 15 minutes, 20 minutes of the show would be CGI. Which uh, maybe um, when we had Graham on earlier, Graham, uh, probably that's one of the reasons, as I said, uh, it it was perhaps just too dear to uh, produce. Or they weren't making enough money out of it. Graham, did you see uh, Walking with Dinosaurs or not? And then we'll move on. He might have lost his audio. Okay, well, no. I've actually, I've actually I'm trying one. to get food at the same time. <laughs> try to, try to, oh, hang on a sec, there we are, it's better. No, sorry, try to eat and get food done between things. Um, so, yeah, you hear me still? Yeah, we've got you now. Yeah. That's good. So, um, yeah, this was another of these, well... That's all the BBC has to do, really, to keep itself afloat, it seems to be, is uh, make some sort of brilliant um, documentary like this and uh, then see who wants it. Because I'll tell you one thing, it got snapped up by the channels over here and it was literally the almost a, it was a blooming, almost a dogfight, you could say, to see who get it. Um, our uh, version of the BBC because uh, it's not just the UK that has to uh, pay a licence fee, we do here. Uh, roughly the same amount as well, and we've got uh, a bigger populace. Though all we get is crap on the telly most of the time. Uh, from from mm. our, um, it is quite literally crap. It's some Rosamunda Pilcher uh, filmed in Ireland uh, thing, and this is about as much as they usually chuck on the telly. And it's produced probably on the same amount of budget as uh, Doctor Who was made on in the in the 70s and 80s. You've got honest, that's the way it looks. Uh, so when we get something that's been bought uh, and it's been produced by the BBC, especially like this, um, it's fantastic when it comes to the telly. Um, I thought they, they did it especially well because you usually get your sort of thing, um, them coming in and, you know, it's supposed to be some sort of documentary, but it doesn't quite seem right. It doesn't because, quite honestly, there's a way that a BBC deals with things. 
it's the way the uh, thing that makes things, if, so to speak, if you know what I mean. Um, it's a it's a particular feeling that it has, and you get more facts come across from what's known rather than as other channels would do is what comes across to me as, as pure guesswork and um, just the sort of the way as you heard in the clip the, the clip is a prime example um, the way things that you know we'd sort of see in a normal documentary film about things that are alive today um, you know this happens this happens and because of this this happens and you hear this, you know, the T-Rex the, the mother is extra hungry, you know, is really hungry. And why? Because she's got babies to feed there that uh, are not quite on their feet uh, yet and can feed themselves, you know, chasing down, you know, uh, my, uh, minor rodents or whatever. So, you know, right. it's, it's one of these programs that's... Uh, when we look at the BBC and, and how badly they're doing, it's only because somebody's... Uh, asking twenty twenty grand for a gold-plated toilet seat, what's not very needed, or there's too many managers, sort of thing. And you know, if you want a good example of what the BBC can do, uh, this is definitely it. Uh, the CGI in there obviously um, helped um, put forward things for you know f further on for you know doc for Doctor Who even. Um, right. So that, you know, the mill stood there and said, look, look, we're there, we can do this stuff. I have to say that the the, um, the quality was higher than you'd see in, in most Doctor Who's because you know Doctor Who's they've got to work within a really tight budget and the budget keeps getting smaller. Sounds familiar. Are we in the eighties right. again? Um, but you know the, these things are so well produced and highly detailed. You know um, the, the things that I liked about it was the you know put it in perspective. Here's a six foot man. So six foot. So it's a little bit taller than me, right? I can I can sort of you know. Uh, identify with that as so a six foot man and how's big how big was this creature and you stand right next door you know right next to this creature and you're like oh my giddy aunt jelly baby poo time um yeah let me just stop you there uh, if i may because i want to just uh just give some information out for for darth here reading from that page um because uh, he says it wasn't at the box office or whatever. Um, I've got here, Walking with Dinosaurs, The Arena Spectacular is a live adaption of the series, originated in Australia in 2007, uh, going to toward North America in 2007 to 2010. Uh, it's going to Singapore uh, just uh, this next week, uh, on the 1st to the 4th of December 2010, Singapore indoor stadium the show has played to over 65 million people and made over 350 million in box office so that refutes the box office thing and one more thing oh come um, on dave that is crap <laughs> come on box that, office. Is so <laughs> cheating. that is so cheating you're not you're not uh, talking about the actual show being in a movie theater you're talking uh, yeah, about something right, like right. doctor who live which is an right, adaptation that, which is not the same thing so that's okay. crap well, I'll read the one last sentence and I will. A 3D movie based it on the original TV series... It has not come out yet. Produced, announced in November 2010, the 40 million adventure is set to be set 70 it million years in the past. It hasn't come out yet. Bad news. But that, uh, I do feel... That, that has only been announced a month ago, so anything could happen. Yeah, yeah. They, they yeah. Be really, when you want to make an argument, all you the argument you really need to make is that we drift off a lot on this on this uh, podcast. And I was, honestly, if, if we are, yeah. you're going to keep it just, 
I mean, maybe just keep it to the just sort of more uh, well-known TV things. No, I I don't dispute that this is a well-known series around the world, that it's a hot property for the BBC and that it has sold millions for the BBC. I'm just saying it has nothing to do with our topic. I mean, if you're going to go in here and talk about a documentary, then you've got to talk about all the other documentaries that have ever been made about dinosaurs. Yeah, not not exactly. uh, Well, I, I felt as though it was one that had actually made you know, fictional programs makeable because they'd done mm. all the number crunching first, mm, and they lent really their sur- and then they lent the sur- anyway. It's the only one, and it was to just give another dimension to the show because I thought we might be struggling uh, to get through uh, an hour and a half on this one. Now, uh, let me just throw out to each person in the room because the the only main subject I want to go to to finish the show off is an actual fact. Perhaps it limited my ref, uh, research for today because I started uh, looking for a clip for a Dot 2 episode, The Invasion of the Dinosaurs, and I spent most of the afternoon watching it. Uh, so I, I want to finish the show on talking about the, the, the main time that dinosaurs appeared on Dot 2. So I'm going to ask each of you in turn, is there any particular section you'd like to bring into this, whether for five minutes or for 30 minutes, before we end going to Doctor Who. So um, let's go to Charlie. He's been quiet for a while. Is is there anything that you made a note of or mentally made a note of that you felt as though should be inclusive in this particular topic? No, I think we've covered everything. I mean, I'm sure there's other dinosaur movies, other stuff. But there's nothing, there's nothing that you were anxious to raise? No. Okay, fine. Tiggs? Um, not really, no. Good. Good. We're working well through this, aren't we? Rick Wall? Uh, no, I think we covered everything pretty well. Uh, Graham? I'm sure I've missed something. I am positive I've missed something, and it will come to me at some time that's inappropriate, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, well. Right. <laughs> uh, some, I mean, I'm thinking about um, films from, literally from the sort of the, uh, also the sort of B-movie area uh, of things there. Um Quite literally, sort of the sort of cave caveman uh, epos and sort of uh, sort of saying Joan uh, and 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 such forth. I mean, yeah, if we're going to go to TV, there's uh, the the uh, the uh, the dinosaurs, which was the uh, the Jim Henson TV series there, um, as as a sort of a thing. But that was you know, it's literally just sort di- of... Dinotopia was that. No, no, um, it's, it was a it was a comedy series with puppets, dinosaur puppets. Not the mama. Yeah, <laughs> not the mama. He never says, the, "Daddy, see, Daddy, Daddy." Not the mama. Not the mama. Not the mama. Oh, we got some kids here. Go on. Oh, it's, it's really fun things, but um, there's a whole bunch of. I mean, I've completely forgotten what they were called. Um. I think it's like Journey to the Sense of the Earth as well, uh, the original films. I'm sure there was sort of uh, dinosaurs in that as well, uh, to be quite honest, uh, where, you know, it was the only place for them to survive is uh, sort of... Um... Oh, hang on. Tell you one we have forgotten completely. Yeah. It is a film, Age 3. How about that? Well, uh, the... I did... I did mention, the before you came on, I did mention the uh, ISA movies and whether they should be included because they had things like yeah. mammoths in them and that and they were talking about the Ice Age 10,000 years ago, not yeah. necessarily 
in the, you know 50 million years ago. Yeah. Well, the Ice Age three is what they call, uh, which is the dinosaur one of the of the th- three films. The other ah. two are basically the mammals. There is a third one. It's the dinosaurs. Uh, basically, um, Sid is messing up as usual, uh, ends up falling out hold, and um, comes across three eggs, which he promptly paints faces on and and counts as his children. And these promptly, at a certain point, then turn into little baby T-Rexes. So, uh, of course, the other two, uh, Manny and, I can't remember what the uh, the saber-tooth's called, uh, but Manny the mammoth and uh, his better half, his better half's expecting the baby, uh, basically say, you've got to take these back to where you found them. And there the adventure begins in the in the uh, area of the dinosaurs, and it's basically underground where the dinosaurs are only kept alive because uh, it's surrounded by a sort of it's a lava area, an area where lava is contained in that. Right. And then they come across this this one-eyed sort of uh, mammal, uh, sort of similar to a sort of a Weasley type character who's got an eye missing, and he goes on about this big old dinosaur uh, that's even majorly bigger than uh, T-Rex and this is the one that caused him to lose his eye and they sort of notice that this guy has basically lost the plot anyway so you know they can't be entirely truthful but uh, they do eventually come across the, the mama T-Rex and um, for some odd reason that uh, Sid gets adopted into the family um, because he was originally the mama uh, as the, the the chicks were born and uh basically ends up hanging around and he's trying to teach this T-Rex how to bring up a babies and that. So like, no, no, no. These, 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 uh, they're strict vegetarians, you see. <laughs> and so, to, yeah. Uh, is this as good as the Ice Age 1 and 2? I mean, yeah, it, oh, it didn't go straight to video this one. It went to the cinema. No, 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 no. It, I watched this first of all in the cinema and then me and the better half picked it up on DVD eventually as it came out. Uh, oh, I end up twisting God. her arms like that. Can't we get that? You've got the other two parts. Oh, if I've got to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've it's seen the DVD with, with one and two on, but not three. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to move on, if I may. Uh, I'm just going to ask Darth, and then I'll welcome uh, uh, G 7 into the room. Um, uh, Darth, any other areas we've completely missed, to your thinking? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've totally spent a lot of time avoiding just tons of rich veins of material here. Um I think one thing that we've completely blown the, the pooch on is, um, you know, the uh, the Hammer Horror stuff. Um, you you got that whole series of uh, dinosaur films, like One Million BC, that has Raquel Welch in it. Um, Which got a mention, yeah. Well, but I mean, we, you know, that, that's really sort of a, a landmark thing that really deserved maybe more than what we gave it. Um, and you've got several other films within that, um, um, that hammer thing. Um, and especially one that, um, uh, you know, kind of the, is actually referenced in Jurassic Park. Um, what the hell's the name of it? Uh, the dinosaur. <laughs> no, because I don't know. <laughs> it, it's, um, it's a is it the land, film. Is it The Land of Time Forgot? Uh, is that 1970? I know it's 1970. Uh, no, no. When, when, although Land of Time Forgot is definitely something that isn't that the um, the thing that's got Anthony Ainley in it and right. uh, 
Doug McCurry. Yeah, that one. That one's a cool movie. I love that. That's the that's a basic archetype that we haven't. I mean, Jurassic Park is sort of like this, and I'm sure that Jurassic Park takes its inspiration from this. But there's a whole series of things, both in uh, film and in comic books, especially um, where the the and Godzilla is like this too, and King Kong is like this. The conceit is there's an island somewhere that we've never discovered before, and on that island, because it's been so isolated, um, there still live all these dinosaurs. Yeah. And the, the Land of Time for God is just gorgeous. I mean, there's definitely, you know, as a Doctor Who fan, you're going to maybe watch that because of the Anthony Alien connection, but he's sort of a minor character in it. The, the, the thing that's cool is just, you know, how many different kinds of dinosaurs that are in it, and it's really, that's a very fun thing to watch. Um, but, no, the uh, the other Hammer Horror things, um, you know, when dinosaurs rule the Earth and creatures that the world forgot, uh, when dinosaurs rule the Earth, very cool thing. I mean, that's the thing that is actually referenced in Jurassic Park because um, it's sort of the same situation in a – well, it's, in a way it is. I mean, in the sense that you've got men who are being overrun by dinosaurs. Um uh, and, you know, we've sort of, I guess, poo-pooed this notion of, uh, you know, scientifically inaccurate, maybe, of there being humans at the same time, that there yeah. are dinosaurs. But nevertheless, that is a very constant conceit mm-hmm. and that you find running throughout. And we've completely missed, I think, one of the, the most glorious little children's television shows ever, which is Land of the Lost. Um, you can say what you want to about the movie that was made of it recently, but the actual source material... Um, was, was pretty good, to, yeah. To a generation, and yeah, you know, it's um, you know, it, a cool thing because it it again, you've got humans and you've got dinosaurs mixing together. Although, you know, those humans are not from that they're time in a time period. warp type thing. Right. They have they've come from somewhere else, um, and so you really only have natively, you know, some forerunners to Homo sapiens that are there. And then you've got, you know, dinosaurs portrayed as being variously, you know, cool and writable. And on the other hand, you've got, you know, some dinosaurs that are clearly dangerous. Um, That was a show that, to me, was formative and had a lot to do ultimately with my love of Doctor Who because it, you know, is going in the past and it's doing something... um, really on the cheap. I mean, if you go, if you look at it today with adult eyes, you'll be able to say, oh, well, wow, that's really cheap. But for the amount of money that they put into each episode and the storyline that they got out of it, um, it, it's a great return on investment. I mean, it's like, it's like Doctor Who in that it could be made on the cheap, but yet have just these fantastic ideas that are going around. And then you've got this whole other, you know, subplot of the slea stack that's in there. You've got, it's not just humans and you know, proto-humans and dinosaurs, it's also aliens um, who have come down and they've got this weird, funky, crystalline-based technology. Um, and it's the, the, a lot of fun. You can see why they made a movie. You can't see maybe why that movie was so bad. No, I didn't I didn't even attempt to see it because I saw the trailers and I said, this is from the TV show, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I did. I mean, I saw it out of out of sheer, you know, duty to the show and to Will Ferrell, who I genuinely like. But the two things just didn't mix together ultimately very well. Oh, it was they, that one. You know, they went, they went wide of the mark. That, yeah, Darth. I'd cool. like to thank Darth there for actually putting in uh, exactly the films I was uh, thinking about. Just couldn't remember yeah. the titles. 
That's what exactly the film does think about. Yeah. Let me just Wasn't that the bring... 3D film? The which one? Mm. No. Was, was, it, was, uh, that, was that a 3D film? Which one? Um, The remake, oh, no. the Will Ferrell remake. No, I don't think so. No. I, I, no, well, Journey, put it this way. Journey to the Center of the I, Earth was a remake. Yeah, that was 3 yeah, that was true. I know there was, was one yeah, that... dodgy three uh, 3D remake of something that a mate of mine was showing uh, the other year, but um, I thought it might have been that one. I mean, there no, might no, have been no. a 3D version. I don't think it. I don't think it was. I certainly didn't no. There see was that there version. wasn't a 3D version. I don't think. Right. Can I just pause you there, guys, while uh, uh, I bring Jif uh, G7 in, who's been on mic for some time but not yet contributed? Are you there, Jif G? Do you want to come in? Are you muted? Okay, one more call, and then we'll go back to the discussion. Okay, the Ginny Center is that the one with James Mason in it? Or is that another one I'm thinking of? Ginny yeah. Center of the Earth? The original. Oh, the original. Oh, that, was the, yeah. uh, that was the original one, right? Mm. Yep, 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 yep. The okay, was so surprisingly good. I was actually shocked that I kind of, I mean, it wasn't anything great, but it was, it was still really creative and really interesting, I thought. Right, right. Okay. Guys, uh, I it, hate to say this, but uh, um, I, I'm going to have to say goodnight. Um, I it was in the Philippines last week, and... Uh, I'm kind of jet lagged, so I shall see you later. Thanks for coming in and joining us. You're always welcome. So, uh, have a good night. I'll listen to the rest of it uh, on download. (laughs) Okay, right. Take care and hope to catch you another week. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Okay, uh, Charlie, has that uh, prompted your memory for anything? You said you didn't want to add anything else. I'm just ready to go to Doctor Who as the sort of... I always try when we're doing any of these topics and there is a Doctor Who reference, whether it's small or large, I always like to try and end on that. So um, as as what the guy's just been saying, twigged any memories in your head or not? Um, no, not really. I think, you know, I, think I, I remember seeing Lens, for t- I kind of forgot a long time ago, it was on TV, late night TV sometime. And yeah, I saw Journey the Senator of the James Mason version uh, a while ago, but that's about it. I like I see. I think I've seen one episode of Land of the Lost. That was all right. So yeah. Uh, the, the only other thing I've, that's come to my mind while I've been talking, uh, and it's not really a, a film where the dinosaurs are a major part, but um, some of the success of uh, Night at the Museum was that due to having a dinosaur in it. You know the. Spider. Uh, when it throw, when you when it gives you a bone, throw the bone. <laughs> I think that was one of his instructions, wasn't it? Throw yeah, the bone. The, based on the T Rex skeleton at the uh, the entrance of the uh, Natural History Museum in New York. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're going to throw in that as the dinosaur, then you got to throw in, you know, 1975's um, one of our dinosaurs was missing, which is a oh, yeah, curious, oh. curious yes. um, the skeleton one. Yeah. It's it's Disney, but it's British. Um, it's totally British-made, and and then they, I guess, 
I don't know what they did. I don't know what the exact arrangement was, but they made it British and then they gave it to Disney and Disney distributed it or whatever. It's got John Pertwee in it and um, I don't know lots of people who are. Uh, oh, Peter L- is it, li- was it Lionel Jeffries in that? No. Uh, he, uh, you know, who knows? It was. It was a. It's one of those. Things that they did, you know, in the 60s and 70s where, like, around the world yeah. in 80 days where, like, yeah. everybody and their mother's in it. So he could have been in it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, virtually anybody who was anybody in Britain at the time is in that thing. I think the chap out of Bed Knobs and Broomsticks was in it as well. The, um, and I can't remember probably. his name, of course. I mean, probably. I mean, but the nominal stars are Eustonoff and Helen Hayes. So. Right. But then, right. you know. But that's, you know, it's interesting because, of course, that would have been made. This is, uh, I mean, since we're going to be talking about Invasion of the Dinosaurs, this would have been made at roughly, I would have guessed he, Pertree would have not, would not be Doctor Who at this time. He would have just no. gotten it's off 19, Doctor I'm just quickly looking it up, 1975. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, quite, Darth is quite literally right, you know, anybody that's anybody's in it. Uh, so okay. let's see how names we know here. So uh, Derek Nimmo. That's something you know, Derek Nimmo. No, yeah, you haven't heard of that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. there's an ice warrior in here. There is a uh, chieftain. Uh, ch- uh, chieftain S. As many names you'll know from from watching Doctor Who. Uh, what I mean was an ice warrior. Right. Uh, the chief ice warrior Bernard Breslau. That's fun choy. You've got Joan Sims, who is the, uh, if you remember, the, uh, trial of time, uh, the Trial of a Time Lord, who was the, uh, the chief Ness uh, in the, the, the first part, uh, the first story of Trial of a Time Lord. Um, Peter Ustinov, uh, Molly Weir, uh, Joss Ackland as well, another famous name. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, you'll know the son uh, of this guy, uh, Roy Kinnear. Is also in it, um, mm-hmm. the comedian Roy Kinnear. Uh, I'm just trying to see if there's anyone else that we really know. Uh, John Pertwee played a colonel in this, and uh, so is anyone else really famous in it? Um, Amanda Barry. Mm. It's about the last name there at a spot that anybody would really know, sort of top of the head. But um, it was uh, made for Buena Vista in the United Kingdom uh, for the United States. Uh, produced and written by Bill Walsh, Walsh sorry, and directed by Robert Stevenson. So right. there's a the quick sort of lowdown on it. And the release date, as you say, was uh, July 9, 1975. The yeah. um, the Doctor Who Invasion of the Dinosaurs was uh, January. Well, it was aired January the 12th to the 16th of February 1974. Four. Yeah. Okay, let me just play, um, this is a clip at the very end of Time Warriors as it's starting to talk about uh, the design, uh, the invasion of the dinosaurs. Short clip. No anything. No bicycles, no pedestrians, no cars, nothing. But why? Because of the monsters. Sent from London is a martial law. Ah! No one sees them come, no one sees them go. Things that size, where could they go? They must keep the authorities off balance. Ah, I agree to delay experiments, not kill him. You were the one who said he was such a danger to us. We're the elders. You must have been chosen. 
take the world that you've got and try and make something of it. Not too late. Right, I've got I've got three more clips on this one. I won't play them all at once, but I will play one more, and then we'll talk about this episode, which I must admit I spent half the afternoon watching uh, on YouTube. <laughs> I can't agree to that. I am giving you a direct order, Brigadier. With respect, sir, I cannot and will not allow troops under my commands to open fire upon civilians. These civilians are looters. Central London is under martial law. What's happening is deplorable, sir, but may I remind you that looters are not our main problem? Shortage of observation patrols is. The army has been stretched to its limits with the evacuation of eight million people. The evacuation is now complete, sir. For you, perhaps, but not for us. All these wretched people have to be fed, sheltered, cared for. But the front line's here, sir. In central London. It's more important to find the cause of this crisis than to deal with its effects. All right. What are you doing about it? Plotting the incidents as they occur and searching London to find their cause. Waiting for this mysterious scientific advisor of yours to turn up? That's right, sir. Mm. I suppose he'll just materialize out of thin air. Very probably. Very well. While we're waiting for this doctor of yours, you will obey my orders. You can have your extra patrols, Brigadier. My instructions to them are that any looter who does not surrender immediately will be shot. And uh, just uh, for anybody's information, if you go to YouTube and find a, a user called Dalek1099, you'll find quite a few little clips there that you might enjoy. Um, I take it uh, those people on mic have actually seen at some point this episode, uh, or this, this storyline. Anybody want to... Well, starting off, um, 1996 as the repeats on Sky started. Well, I say Sky um, on UK Gold. It was my yeah. first chance to catch this. Um, now, the plot, I mean, the actual story itself, the story, is good. The problem with the the actual the complete thing itself was... It was it was the effects actually dragged the entire thing down, as much as the um, as much as uh, warriors on the cheap, or warriors from the deep, well known. Um, well, there's more dinosaurs if you want, you know, you know, upright uh, Homo reptilia. Um, but you know, the, what was the one thing that brought that down? It was the Merca. You know, it was it was one really. Well, the only way to describe it is uh, pump effect. Uh, really bad effect that uh, really ruined the story uh, almost. Um, the idea wasn't half bad, but uh, as you can see with this story, it's it's atypical of the uh, the unit stroke um, Pertwee period. There, you've got some um, some bigwig there making a complete backside of himself, uh, putting uh, putting his firm foot down there. I can't remember how that how that um, resounded at the end because usually what happens is whoever it is is either made to look a fool um, as with uh, Mr. Chin Mr. Walker you know two you know two separate stories about Axos uh, Claws of Axos and um, well one of them is in on it of course because he's the one that that uh, when uh, Liz uh, is uh, being fa being nosy looking for this power source yeah. he actually captures her yeah or um 
No, it's just the type of character I'm on about, uh, like you have also in The Ambassador of Death, where you've got the, the, the colonel there that's, or I think it's a colonel or a general oh. who's mucking around with things. So you've got this guy who's basically trying to, you know, boss the brigadier around and, and tell him to sort of toe the line. Uh, but I really don't General remember Finch, it. yeah. General Finch. You know, it's some usual sort of high up there who's got his head planted somewhere uh, dark in his own body crevice sort of thing, uh, trying to be polite about it. Um, but, you know, as a story, the story is great. Unfortunately, the effects completely ruin it. As Warriors in the Deep is a good story, it's, it's completely ruined by a certain effect, so to speak. So, okay. Hands right. well, we'll, 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 yeah, we'll come back to you. But uh, anybody else? Charlie, have you seen this one? Oh, it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, oh, yeah. that's a cue for me to play another clip then. Oh, okay. Folks, <laughs> raise your hands above your head. That will be your only warning. Raise your hands. Will you please tell me what's happening? Over there by the Land Rover. Turn round, lean forward, hands against the side. Look, will you please tell me what's going on here? Turn round. Search their vehicles. You have had a busy day, haven't you? Next. Names? Now, if I can have a word with someone... Names! Sarah Jane Smith. Name? Dr. John Smith. No relation. Age? 23. Age? You'd never believe me. <laughs> Offence? Looting first jewels and money. Right. You'll be held for a military trial. Over there for photographs. Well, why are the military running everything? Come on, Sarah. Let's go and have our photos taken, shall we? Keep them quiet. What do we do now? Wait for the officer to turn up. Maybe we can get some sense out of him. Why on earth's going on? What's happening? I've no idea. Maybe this gentleman here can enlighten us. How do you do, sir? I'm the doctor. You've got nothing to be cheerful about. There's no judge and jury now, mate. Military law. But why? Where have you been? Because of the monsters. Okay, Darth, do you want to talk about it then before give Charlie a bit more of a, uh, an inkling? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I, I don't. <laughs> strangely, I don't think we should be talking about this episode either because it doesn't really have anything to do with dinosaurs, despite its name, despite the fact that there are dinosaurs in it. It really isn't about dinosaurs. It is about, um, you know, a a person or a group of people trying to get back something that Earth has lost. And in the process, they have this machine that accidentally opens up these holes that bring not just dinosaurs, but other people out of different epochs in human history. And that's about it. Um, it's not really about the dinosaurs at all, which is why... They, they do have the benefit of uh, making the city vacated as well, though. But it's, but they, keep, that, they keep the military busy. Is, right, but I mean... That's not the only thing that's popping through. That's just oh, no, no. this visible thing. Yeah. And and the military is encountering things besides just the dinosaurs as well. Yeah, this is young, that's yeah. an easy that's just an easy thing, but it's not really about dinosaurs in any no. kind of functional no. way. And so it's sort of, you know, the, I would very much disagree with Graham that the 
special effects ruins it because the dinosaurs aren't critical. It doesn't matter what they look like. It just matters. Here's this thing that is coming from a different time. If it's not represented terribly well, it doesn't matter because that's not the focus of the story. Um, and for me, this is one of my, you know, quite apart from whether it should be in this episode of, you know, the Cultum Collective, it is one of my very favorite Doctor Who stories because it's quite a good one. It's got, you know, some of the hallmarks in the very last era. It definitely is trying to deliver a moralistic message about, you know, consumption of resources in the modern era. Um, uh, and I, I love the interplay between Doctor and Sarah. I see that um, Charlie's saying, oh, the Doctor and Sarah are under arrest, so that means it must be a six-episode story, which is, I guess, sort of true. But on the other <laughs> hand, um, you know, episode one and episode two, where they are sort of under arrest, are, you know, some of the coolest parts of uh, the era and definitely some of the coolest parts of the the third Doctor Sarah relationship. So it's not it's one of those six episode things that I don't think is padded because each episode offers something a little bit different from the one before it. Um and, and then you got, you know, the whole thing with Captain Yates taking a moral stand and therefore uh basically committing treason, I suppose, or at least disobeying direct orders and, and therefore getting court martialed. Um there's a lot of things that's going on in the story, but again, not really anything terribly having to do with dinosaurs. Okay, yeah, it, it's yeah. Follow, it's quite early on with Sarah Jane because it's only just after Time Warrior, isn't it? Yeah. Now, if I can go a little, well, I say Darth on it because you know I'm going to be picky on it. Now, in all reality, uh, what should have happened was that these dinosaurs materialised um, promptly uh, in our time and uh, promptly fall over. The fact is that there was one bit, so it's things that we probably, it's because we know them now, and I'm not sure it is that, but some scientists worked out now that we've got, basically our atmosphere at the moment is uh, an oxygen content of 21%, roughly. So, and the dinosaur's time, it was way, well, it was getting up towards 40%, Yeah. which basically, and these dinosaurs have major lung capacity, which basically means they just about suffocate on entering our time. So basically what should have happened was the, the dinosaurs sort of, uh, should have appeared, uh, tried to breathe, and promptly fell over because they're not going to no, 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 oxygen. No, 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 I can counter that. Because when Mike Yates is talking uh, to um, Sarah Jane and she's you know, saying how quiet it is and how terrible Mike Yates is recovering from a nervous breakdown, says, oh, it's marvellous. And he said, haven't you noticed the air? Um, and, and presumably, volume... It's a bit like, you know, in Star Trek Four, you don't have to move just the whales, you have to move the water the whales are in. That's the extra weight. So one presumes that the, 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 the atmosphere is actually being enriched as well. So that you're getting great lumps of atmosphere. That's yeah, not the right go, word, going, back, going back to what Darth was saying there about the uh, how Barry, and he's, quite, he's, he's 100% right with this, the Barry Letts thing. Uh, um, have you noticed the air? Now, this being the 70s, uh, cars without catalyzers, um, big diesel trucks that are basically uh, chucking out uh, so, uh, without end. Now, this, all this traffic is not going through the centre of London anymore. That's true. So your air quality is going to go up anyway because you haven't got this, uh, tons of soup going up in the air. But, I mean, it was just sort of the, sort of the fact there that's why um, you know, Jurassic Park really couldn't happen right. as such. 
because the actual well, oxygen content is far too low uh, in our atmosphere nowadays uh, yeah. for, for them to, to do nothing much more than uh, lie around and be very, um, well, immobile most of the time and, and barely conscious. But well, I've had nothing as, in our genre, though. Yeah, I mean, any, yeah. any of these dinosaur-based things, every single one of them has you know, some sort of major scientific error. Yeah. So you just yeah. have to, you know... Yeah. You can't really harp on that because there's no way to make an encounter between humans and dinosaurs work out. And that's the, that's the central joy of this particular genre. You want to see humans and, and dinosaurs in the same frame, which is a scientific impossibility. So, you know, why why bitch about it? Yeah, and indeed, one, one of the characters in the episode says, uh, uh, when somebody's saying something, oh, don't spout me that scientific gobbledygook. So basically, they're already saying that. But I, I took it with the with Yates saying that about his explanation was that there were no cars and no fumes. He wouldn't have grasped the the fact that there there was there was more oxygenated air being brought in at the same time. Uh, let me play one last clip of this one, and then um, uh, we'll we'll see what we feel. I mean, I I felt as though uh, it was the the one. Dot two one that we could legitimately bring in. I mean, I know we could have thrashings out of uh, um, Carnival of Monsters or something, but let, let's go stay with this one and one last clip. A Tyrannosaurus Rex, the largest and fiercest predator of all time. Those things died out millions of years ago. Uh, Sixty-five million years ago, to be precise. monsters turned up in central London. Uh-huh. How do you know it's only central London? Because those soldiers were talking about the central zone, weren't they? But where did that monster come from? That's a very good question, Sarah. Suppose, suppose there was an egg buried in the ground somewhere and somehow or other it hatched out. What, producing a sweet little baby monster? Yes. Ah, no. Now how would it uh, grow to that size without anyone noticing it? Perhaps somebody kept it as a pet and turned it out when it got too big to feed. Oh. Anyway, aren't you forgetting that pterodactyl that attacked us in the warehouse? I suppose you've got the explanation, then. Yes, as a matter of fact, I think I have. Hello, who are you? Back! Back, accursed wizard! Wizard? I'm no wizard, I assure you. You can no need to be frightened of me. Doctor, because... How did you get here? The witch. She's cast a spell on me. I'll tell the priest and have her burned. Yes, yes, of course. Do you know what year it is? What's the name of the king? Well, Richard, of course. But he's in the Holy Land, John rules now. Okay, and that just features what Darth was saying, that there were there were other things that were being moved through time, not just the dinosaurs. Yeah, uh, you did, Dave, you did miss out one other um, sort of loosely dinosaur-based, and we're not talking about Drashigs. Uh, how about the Saracen from the... Uh, um, oh, I forgot what they called it. Pterodactyls, which is basically an oversized uh, plesiosaur, as far as I remember. Mm. Yeah, and well, you could uh, you could also say, uh, I suppose you could have the Silurians, because they could say, you know, Earth was ours in the right. Silurian period. But- yeah, but the Silurians, they, they were, I mean, they are, well, as we now call them, thanks to the Series 5 Homo reptilia, which basically means they are dinosaurs, just, you know, basically, if we were to be uh, reptile, that's probably how we'd look, 
maybe, possibly, probably. Well, but of course, the other thing you've really got to say about Invasion of Dinosaurs before we leave it is that it is so obviously the template for... Well, primeval for a start. Primeval. I mean, uh, it's obviously that. Um, so, yeah. You know, I, 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 I must admit, I hadn't made that connection until I was watching it again today. And I suddenly thought, this is bloody primeval. Whoever wrote primeval must have, you know, subconsciously pinned it on this, because that's exactly well, what it is. I mean, I think, I, I forget who, exactly who creates primeval, but I mean, we know Paul Cornell wrote for primeval. Um, so one might think that the people who is uh, we should probably find out who they are but whoever they are that created primeval i'm sure probably had some sort of influence from this uh, i think i put the link in further back didn't i uh, i'll just look for that while uh, yes there i put the wiki link in I'll, I'll repeat it and then go to it myself um anybody else uh well we're obviously we lost rick wall and we've lost tim on like i did try jiffy g7 do you want to try your audio again I did try and get you on the call before. No, they must obviously be away from their machine at the moment. Okay, anybody else? Oh, is that somebody coming on? I can hear an echo. Hello, echo. Hello, echo. <laughs> Jiffy G? Okay, well... If you feel as though you want to jump in, and you can do so, uh, but we may we may be coming towards the end of the thing because um, if if there's no more discussion on this one, I'm basically um, uh, you know through my little list of uh, prepared things. Well, uh, go on. Well, Charles? one thing one thing I just remember, Dave, about um, this story is that the first episode of this story is is simply just called um, Invasion. They don't give away, they don't give away that there are actually dinosaurs in the in in the in the um, in the story, which I thought was a right. nice change of pace. They don't uh, they don't tell you that you know oh it's and um, so just you know I, coming from uh, an uh, American watching this, the only t- the uh, the first episode is, is only exists to black and white, which it's pretty you know it, it, sort, it sort of adds to the I don't know, say suspense or something like that because you know they show up in Hyde Park and it's it's bare and everything. And um, yeah, as, as a as a yeah, the, the whole bit with uh, Yates, you know, it was, it was a it was a shock when I first saw that. And um, I was but the dinosaur effects, I don't know. It's just one of those things. It's it's probably one of those things that that um, yeah, it's probably you know the, with the with the budget they had and everything they did, it's probably it's probably the best they could do. Except I, I one I like I said I like the pterodactyl from uh, the first part maybe. Uh, maybe because that was on film, and the whole bit with um, the Stegosaurus, they find the Stegosaurus in the tube station. That was well done because it was it was in it was in dark. Yeah. You hardly see it. Um, yeah, I, I think I think overall, I really I like Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Right. Just to, uh, I'm just looking at this wiki page with the uh, Ad- and Adrian Hodges was the uh, person from. Uh, Adrian Hodges uh, and Tim Baines. No, I was looking at the the other co-producer there, um, <clears throat> um, Dave. So now to give you an idea, Tim Haynes was the other the, well, the, the other co-producer from it. He worked on Walking with Dinosaurs. Yeah, but I think that we're looking for Beasts, Walking to... with Monsters. 
yeah. to Doctor Who. And I think Adrian Hodges is probably the best thing because he's the co-adapter or he's the adapter of Survivors by Terry Nation, which kind of leads yeah. you to believe that he must have been yeah. slipped into Doctor Who. He's of the right age. I mean, he started his career in 91. So, I mean, the chances of him not having seen Invasion of the Dinosaur, it seems to me, is, you know, a little worse than the, that he did see it. So Yeah, he, he also worked on The Lost World, 2001. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, mm-hmm. uh, also... Just, just to, get a, to, to, um, to Charlie's point there, um, about, you know, okay, it is called Invasion, the first part. But yeah. Uh, Radio Time screwed the pooch on that, just like they did with the uh, Human Ballot. Oh, they, they, they did. They did at the time immediately set, call it. They either called it Invasion of the Dinosaurs in the Radio Times anyway, part one, or they said in the description that it had dinosaurs in it. So what the hell was the point of disguising it? So that was gone. And then American, most American showings of this have not, in fact, included part one at all. Uh, oh, yeah. Most of them start at part two. That's right. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess because of the black and white nature of it, uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But it might also be because it is called Invasion, and not Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Maybe they are. Didn't you know, think it was the same. They, they might not think it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's I think. I think I remember they did that with all sort of black and white Pertwee's. I remember they did that with Planet of the Daleks. They cut out episode three and they just did a, some weird funky thing where they, they edited things together and it was I think that was sort of what they did. I wonder what they did with the ambassadors of death. I mean I don't think we even got they... I don't think we even got yeah. ambassadors of death. Uh, I don't know because I don't I honestly didn't even watch any Pertwee on PBS at all. I mean my PBS station never ever got it, so I don't know. Right. Wow. <laughs> well, um, I think I've given you the the clue earlier, haven't I, with uh, with a name on the YouTube, which I've now forgotten. Uh, uh, where's it gone? Um, hmm, lost him. Something with Dalek. It was Dalek. Yeah, Dalek. Oh, it's because I, I had to go to another link that. Uh, I've I've lost that link now, but I will very quickly look for it. Uh, anybody else in the room want to? Uh, uh, it was Dalek ten ninety nine. Okay, well, uh, I feel as though we're in wrap up mode now. Um, I think we've gone two hours twenty minutes. We're giving people an hour off for good behaviour from last week. Uh, let me just say while people in the room gather up their thoughts for any final sentences. Let me just remind people that, um, don't forget, if you download these from iTunes, just check by clicking on the little triangle and making sure you, you haven't missed downloading the midweek episodes. We've actually had three episodes up this week. Um, we've had the um, first of our Christmas treat uh, from the commentaries. That's the Christmas Invasion. We've also had the... Um, uh, Cultum Interviews, where I interviewed uh, the three editors of uh, the Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who. Uh, this coming, um, well, midweek, we'll be releasing the second of our Christmas treats with Ian, Mike and myself doing another one of the Christmas uh, adventures. Uh, that is The Runaway Bride. There, I've given the secret away. Um, on the 
Sunday the 5th of December, episode 75, Sci-Fi and Fantasy Role Models. Um, on the 12th of December, episode 76, Merlin Series 3 Review. And probably the last one of the year, maybe, but certainly the last one before Christmas, on the 19th of December, episode 77, Doctor Who. Yes, I know he's the Doctor, but for all the um, the search engines out there, I decided to call it Doctor Who, This Is Your Life. And to go sequentially through each of uh, his uh, generations and, and, and what did we glean from the first Doctor, what do we glean from the second Doctor. Graham, you'll have to join us for that one. What do we glean, and so on. <laughs> Um, basically, what little snippets of fact have we, do we know about the Doctors himself? So hopefully that will be a bit of a bumper show to, to uh, climax the year for. And as I say, midweek, each week, there will be one of our Christmas special treats. So Dave, I have I do a question, my... actually, about this content, if I can ask it. Certainly can, um, yeah, absolutely. The um, interview that Ian did with Paul Schoons, yeah. Now, is that the same thing that exists within um, Podshock, and that Lewis has cut up in half? Well, I, I think he did or is some it different. It, I think I think some of the content is different. He certainly did two interviews with Paul Schoons. I'm not privy. I haven't heard all of it, so um, I'm not sure how he's done it. I, I've got a feeling that there will be some new content that wasn't aired on ours. Okay, but I, I, Ian himself haven't really uh, talked about things like that for two or three weeks now. I mean, we're in touch with basic, sure. you know, emailing important things, but in terms of general chatting, and and I've I've listened to the first one, and I was the content of that first half was pretty much maybe slightly edited down, but s- similar to what we put out. But I'm pretty sure. He did some extended uh, talk, more about the New Zealand side of things, and that content may vary in some way. But I haven't heard it myself, so I can't say definitively yes or no. All right. Okay, right, let's uh, go around the room with our uh, final thoughts. Um, Jiffy, let me just read what Jif, Jif's G7's put up. As I can't get audio, my point was going to be that dinosaurs seem to be basic human fascination. My kids, as with all the kids I've ever known, have a period of intense interest in dinosaurs and the period. Well, I would absolutely go along with that. They've always been a bestseller in children's books, certainly, and uh, they've made their way on. And I think what happens, it it comes in cycles. You you have some sort of program come on, and, and that seems to get the whole juices flowing. Okay, thanks for that. I'm sorry you couldn't get on audio. If you listen to the beginning of the show... Give a try out to that piece of software called Blink. And um, again, uh, I'd have to scroll the screen all the way back to find the link. But while I do so, Charlie P79, any any last thoughts before we, we wrap for today? Um, I just, yeah, like I said, as, as a kid, I've always been fascinated with dinosaurs. And sorry, I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's it's nice uh, once in a while. To, you know, you, even though uh, it's historically inaccurate, it's just, you know, it's just nice enter- entertainment to, ha- to see them in uh, in other formats. Because that sort of thing, as a kid, you know, you watch you know movies, you know, you watch King Kong, you watch Harry Howes and stuff, 
and you see him, and you and you learn about him. It's it's sort of a it's sort of a, it's sort of like Doctor Who. You know, like you 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 heard of, you watch a historical and you think you want to get interested in it, and then you do. So yeah. All right. Um, Tiggs, do you want to have your final say? Um. Yeah. I mean, like Dilthus has said, you know, dinosaurs, they're always big, you know, especially with kids, but, you know, there's there's always going to be a dinosaur phase. It does come and go, but, you know, there's a, the, there will always be something that triggers it. You know, in, in the 90s, one of the main triggers, you know, was Jurassic Park. There was, you know, triggers in the previous decades. There will be more triggers in the coming decades. You know, there will always be dinosaur things and you know they're all, it's always interesting to see especially seeing you know which bits and which dinosaurs are the most popular ones to show up both you know in fiction and documentary in any given period of time because you know there's always the you know the the standard favorites and there's always you know the like the flavor of the month so you know it's always interesting to see what's popular at any given time okay Darth. I don't know that I can add to that. I can only subtract by saying that for me personally, I don't really like dinosaur stuff. I kind of like, um, you know, the closest thing I like in the genre is the idea of an island that is separate from the rest of man and that, that might have developed differently than what we in the more developed world might believe and know. That's kind of cool. Journey to a mysterious island. That's awesome. But actual dinosaurs, uh, I don't really... I mean, like I said, I fell asleep in Jurassic Park. Um, <laughs> well, that, like that one you mentioned, the, the Lost World one, is it with Doug McClure? I think it was. It. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the that's the famous one they have in The Simpsons, where the bloke comes up, the famous bloke comes up to the microphone. Charlie, you'll have to correct me, but it's it, it, Troy yeah. Uh, Troy McClure, you might remember me from such movies as. Right. <laughs> and basically, that that's from Doug McClure being in all those. I mean, he was a cowboy. I remember him being in the cowboy films yeah. to start with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they are okay. undeniably history, to, you know, undeniably important to the history of film and to, the, you know, for pop culture and, uh, you know, dinosaur films, I'm sure, have spurred people to go on to be paleontologists. So that's good stuff. I should ask one general question just throughout. Does anybody know of any, any big dinosaur things to come? I mean, the the recent remake of Godzilla didn't seem to go too well. I mean, do we know of anything on the horizon? I mean, no, I can't think of anything. Well, there is another Godzilla coming out. Is there? Right. Yeah. Okay, we'll get get you, Graham, as the last one. Um, Any final thoughts and we'll wrap up? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's up to taste. like was mentioned, it seems to be a period that most kids go through, you know, uh, fascinated by dinosaurs. I mean, in the UK, it's great because you can go look for fossils all over the place, you know. You go to any beach because we don't so much have proper beaches in the UK. more as sort of these shingle things that uh, are called beaches. There's no sand on them wherever you look. Uh, but you, if you look closely, you will find sort of uh, <clears throat> bits of fossils everywhere. Otherwise, um, <clears throat> just watch out, because Torchwood lost him a family, and it's still on the loose. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh uh, Rob, thank you. I'm glad you said that. Oh, I've been in so much trouble with Romana, too, if my family didn't get a mention. You've saved my skin, Graham. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> oh, whew, whew, that's close. 
Okay, well, it, all it remains for me to do, I've told you about all the upcoming treats. Uh, check your feeds for the latest of the Colton Collective. Remember, we go out every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Talk to your ID 54821. Andy puts it so much better than me. Remember, we have our blog at coltham.com. And, of course, if you're on Facebook, why not become a fan of the Colton Collective and join our fan page? About 160-odd people have already done so. And with that, I'm going to thank those people on mic. So it's thank you to Darth. Cheers. Thank you, sir. Uh, Charlie P79. Thank you, Dave. Uh, to Tiggs. Evening all. To Graham. Watch the skies. Oh, that skyline. And I'm not going to see that movie yet. Never mind. And, no, I'm um, on about my phone. We still. All right. <laughs> Jif G7. I'm sorry, couldn't get on audio. And of course, uh, we've got uh, Mike Randall Thor, Cybob. Guest uh, 19 that's gone by Alter Ego Dave AC2. Thank you to Randall for popping in earlier. Tim was on mic earlier, and we had uh, uh, Rick Wall on mic. We had guests 21 and 20, I Walk in Attorney, Parody G, Alice Love. All thank you for dropping by, even if you couldn't stay the whole thing. And with that, I've got to find my outro clip. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>